Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 268 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live right now, and where you catch me live every Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock p.m., of course. Uh, So again, as I always remind you, Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure you click that notification bell. And you can check out the audio podcast that is released every Tuesday, uh, the following day after the live video. And that is on Montero on Boxing podcast platform. So anywhere podcasts are heard, you can find that. Make sure that you are subscribed to my podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to. This is TNC 268 for the week of May 29. Guys, we are almost in June. Holy shit, this year is flying by. Summer is here, man. It is hot as hell outside. I don't know what the weather's like where you're living, but here in Atlanta, it is 90 degrees, man. It was 90 yesterday, and I want to say it's like 91, 92 today. So, uh, yeah, summer's here. It's going to be a brutal summer. It's going to be a brutal summer, I can tell already, because last summer was mild. Anyway, you ain't here to talk about weather. You're here to talk about boxing. All right, guys, uh, phone lines are open. I know a lot of you are going to want to talk about the fights this past weekend. So uh, you see the numbers there behind me. Uh, for those of you who can't see your screen, it's 213-267-7787 in the United States. Over in the UK, 02081-036051. Those are both toll-free. You know why? Because I love you guys. I love you guys. All right, uh, man, let's get right into this. We got a bunch of you on the chat already. Awesome. Oh, Jackson, he just finished work. All right, hopefully you weren't fired, bro. <laughs> I, I had to have a little fun with you last Friday. Man, that was funny, bro. That was that was a good time, man. Charles Bowie had the chance. Says, Sup, Mr. Montero? I finally find the show live. All right, cool, man. Glad, glad that you're watching. Damn, Dan, the pub says it's 65 in Jersey. Damn, bro. So that's the thing. I grew up in Detroit and uh, similar weather to at least northern Jersey. And um, that's the thing, man. The winters are brutal as hell, but the summers are awesome up there, man. One of these days, I need to win the damn lottery so I can get like a summer house, you know, up there somewhere. So in the summer here, I could just go up there, man, because uh, the summers here are brutal. Ray Valero says, let's go. All right. Dorian Fox says, Mike, you think, uh, what do you think about B-Hop telling Andre to be a serial stalker to Canelo and your thoughts on Pacquiao Spence? We'll talk about Pacquiao Spence in just a second. Uh, Andre has kind of been a serial stalker with uh, with Canelo, and it's not working. So I don't know what B-Hop is talking about. Carlos says, hey, what's going on, Mike? Uh, hope you're doing well, Carlos, you and yours out there in Cali. Hey, Mandeli Cali says, uh, nothing like Cali weather. Hell yeah, bro, except for about two months a year where it's like a buck 20. I remember, uh, what was it, like August, September, it'd be like a buck 20, and people would be like, but Mike, it's a dry heat. I'd be like, man, fuck you. 120 is 120. <laughs> it's the same thing in Vegas. It's a dry heat. I don't give a shit. I'm breathing, and my lungs hurt from the hot air that I'm breathing. Not cool. All right, um, let's jump right into this news uh, real quick, guys. Uh, so I don't, I'm not going to go over the heavyweight division thing 100% again. I just want to hit it for those of you who uh, weren't on last week because we talked about it all during last week's show. But Fury Joshua, not happening, at least not in 2021. And I'm starting to wonder, was it ever really a thing? Were we all taken for a ride by the parties involved, mainly top rank and Tyson Fury? Did they know something that we didn't? 
Uh, so the arbitrator sided with Deontay Wilder, as you've all heard now, and it looks like it's all systems go for Fury and Wilder 3, a fight that very few people want, but we are going to get it. Once again, a few of you guys have asked me, is it pay-per-view and the details? Yes, it'll be pay-per-view, and yes, it'll be another ESPN slash Fox uh, conjoined pay-per-view. So um, so that's a thing, right? Uh, this is all starting to feel very scripted to me. I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't get into that shit, but it's starting to feel kind of scripted. It's starting. I'm starting to wonder if this was all just a big play and we were all just pawns on a chessboard here. And Wilder's going to win this third fight. And we're going to kind of go back to where we were in the heavyweight division about three years ago, where it's Fury, or I'm sorry, it's Wilder and AJ. And Wilder keeps turning down offers to fight AJ. And we're just at this stalemate when we were this close to sewing this whole thing up. I hope I'm wrong, though. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, Fury should beat Wilder, right? That, that's what we all think. He's the better fighter. Yeah, I get it. But this is all just starting to feel a little too, I don't know, man, just planned and scripted to me. But I'm just going to leave that where it is. All right. So Pacquiao versus Spence. That is a thing that is official. And uh, that broke Friday, right when I went live on my channel. And that is going to be Fox pay-per-view August 21st. So that is uh, the done deal. And, you know, look, is it the fight that we want? No, we want Spence and Crawford. That's the fight that we want. But we knew eventually when Pacquiao signed with PBC, and I think that was like three years ago, I remember telling all you guys that they signed Pacquiao to build up their welterweights name off of. They're going to build up those guys' names off of Pacquiao. Pacquiao kind of screwed up the party, though, when you started beating all of them. <laughs> and, um, I, I, you know, they didn't want Pacquiao to beat Thurman. But that fight happened when it happened because Thurman was half-checked out and everything else. And Pac goes on to beat Bronner, get Bronner paid again. Uh, that got Pacquiao paid. And then the thing with Thurman, had Thurman won that fight, we'd be getting Spence and Thurman right now. I think the promotion would have maybe preferred that. But as it stands, we're getting Pacquiao-Spence. Now, some people are calling this a super fight. I don't agree with that. Pacquiao is still a massive brand in the sport, don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't call this a super fight. I think people exaggerate those sorts of terms, like pay-per-view fighter. Uh, world champion there's eight billion world champions right now as i always say there's a difference between holding a title and being a unified title holder and being a champion of a division those are very different things but this is what i call a super fight but it's a pretty good consolation prize but on paper on paper spence is supposed to not only win this fight but win it in style win it big this is supposed to be a brand building exercise for spence that's what the fight against Garcia was. That's what the fights against Porter and, and, and the other Garcia. Uh, that All those were brand-building exercises, working with different demographics uh, to, to build up Spence's name, right? He's the guy over there at PBC. And this is the final step for them. So after he should beat Pacquiao, if he does, there's really nobody left for him to fight but Crawford. So if this is what we got to go through, to get Spence and Crawford early next year, in my opinion, that fight will still be past its due date, but I'll take it. If, if we end up getting Spence and Crawford either late this year or early next year, that'd be great. 
I still, me, like, I'm, I guess I'm being cynical. I've completely given up on that fight. I just don't think it happens. If Spence wins, uh, I don't know who else there is to fight because the guy, the guy at 140, who we'll talk about in a little bit uh, later in the show, the undisputed champion at 140, who I think has surpassed both Spence and Crawford on the pound-for-pound list based on what he's done in the sport lately. We'll talk about that later. Uh, he's not going to move up and fight Spence because, you know, the politics of boxing are going to prevent that. If he moves up and fights anybody, it's going to be Crawford. So um, I've get completely given up on Crawford-Spence happening. What would be interesting here is if Pacquiao wins. And I don't think he will. Uh, I'm not saying it's outside the, the realm of possibility. I just don't think he will. But if Pacquiao did win, the conversation that we are having with uh, about Pacquiao as it relates to his all-time great rating and all that kind of stuff, that changes, man. That changes instantly. Um, I always thought Thurman was a tad overrated, but he was undefeated and at one point a unified title holder and the number one guy in the welterweight division after Floyd left. It's briefly, he was the number one guy. Now, did Pac fight him at his absolute best? I don't think so. I think Thurman had been inactive. There had been injuries. He, he was married. Uh, those sorts of things, you know, half retired mentally and emotionally, but I still give Pack a ton of credit. If he beats Thurman and then goes on to beat Spence after that, uh, we're talking about him in a completely different light. Now, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole yet because I still don't see that happening. I think that Spence is going to win this fight. But if it does, we're going to be having a lot of conversations about Pacquiao, probably top 10 maybe top five all time in this sport. It puts him in a different place just because of the longevity and everything else and the span of weight classes and all of that. Um, The only thing I want to know about this fight is, you know, I want to just, I hope that we get full VADA testing. Um, I saw a back and forth on Twitter. I retweeted the thread between Sean Gibbons, who represents Pacquiao and Victor Conti, who uh, runs that snack gym up there in the Bay area in California uh, of Balco. Uh, fame uh, back in the day Uh, those two were going back and forth on Twitter about drug testing in relation to this fight I just hope that we get drug testing as far as I know I reached out to people at VADA they have not been contacted yet in regards to this fight so I hope that changes and we get full drug testing so everything we know for sure is on the up and up so no matter what happens we know that it was the right thing and um, all in all I like the fight but what I call a super fight nah there are very few super fights in the sport right now, and I wouldn't say that's one of them. But pretty damn good fight. All right, so that's it, news and notes-wise, so we can move on here. But I'm going to take a quick call. We got somebody on the line. So let's jump over to the phones. <clears throat> All right, 317, you're on the show. Uh, uh, 317, who do you think this is? I think it's Jack. Yeah, what's up? What's up, man? I thought so. I, I know your area code starts with a three, but I didn't know the whole area code. Yeah. yeah. What's up, brother? Yeah. Yeah, I got fired from my job. I didn't even notice. Everyone's pretty chill. Yeah, my, like everyone was pretty chill, like just helping the customers. Like this lady was laughing when I was laughing. She was, she was laughing to me, laughing to you. She thought I was laughing at like something I was helping her with. I kind of seem like a like a psychopath, just like well, because you had the earpiece, like, right? Earpod. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah, but she didn't see it. She didn't see it because I was on the other side of her. So she but, thinks uh, you have anyways, Tourette's or some yeah, shit. Yeah. Work. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah. You know the funny thing? I did see a guy with Tourette, like, at, uh, at like, I was just, like, lunch. I got Subway again. I mean, it's the closest thing to me. So. You and your Subway, and I saw bro. a guy with Tourette. And, yeah, I, I saw a guy with Tourette. I actually had Tourette today. And at first, I thought it was funny. Then I felt really bad about it. <laughs> like, I felt like shit. I was, I was like, I'm an asshole. I'm, it's like, I'm really a piece Because the guy was like, ah! And I was like, I'm really an asshole. Because I, I was like laughing about it at first. I saw a midget this weekend, oh, and I laughed. Shit. And I felt really, really bad, you know? But I, it's not like I laughed at him. But when he waddled past, you know, I just I turned to my wife and laughed my ass. I can't help it. It, it was funny, you know? Someone's going to take that little clip off this episode and tweet it to the BWA watch. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I couldn't help it. So, sometimes shit is funny. Uh, yeah. Anyway, what's up, Jack? Yeah. What you got for the show, man? And so, <laughs> boxing and Bulldogs in the chat midget, says, boxing and Bulldogs in the chat says, get to the point, Jack. <laughs> oh shit. My bad. But yeah, Montero, Montero. Imagine like a little midget just flipped you at me like fuck you, Montero. Yeah, yeah, he probably did. You know what I'm saying, I, dude? I would, I, I can't yeah. help it. It's funny. It's you know, little people are funny. Shit. Anyway, all right. Well, what's up, man? What's all up? Right. Yeah. So, I, I just wanted to talk about like what happened over the weekend. And man, Spence and Pacquiao. I was telling people, I already think like Pacquiao is all time higher than Floyd. And it's okay. So I think. Uh, and hey, I told you I was right about the Josh Taylor fight prediction. I was like, I don't think it'll be that close. It was close on the card, but I told you it was going to be, I thought it was going to be like a round eight stoppage or so. And man, if Kenny Bayless didn't fuck up the refereeing and uh, it, he probably would have stopped him in round seven. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm going to get into I mean, that was, in the was, fight review. It, you know, Kenny Bayless made several blunders throughout that fight that affected both fighters. Uh, people are only talking about, you know, one side of it, depending on what side of the, uh, what, what fighter they're pulling for. But dude, he just, he's like over 70. It's, he's a wonderful person. He's a super nice guy. The Bayless brothers are awesome people, but it's time to walk away, bro. It's, it's time for them to hang him up. Yeah, that was, that was just bad. But one thing I can say, am I the only one that gets a little, like really satisfying feeling when I see a fighter, like a, a young upcoming fighter get like impressive names on the resume. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you, you like the feeling of just like, Oh shit, this guy's getting a really nice resume. He's going to have a really nice career. You just get that good feeling. Like. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, it's so rare now. <laughs> it's so rare that when you see it, it's pretty damn awesome. And there's very few fighters in the sport that are doing what uh, what Taylor just did, what Jermel Charlo is going to do soon, um, what Tiafima Lopez did last year. So when you start seeing guys do these things, um, it, it makes you just it, like for me, I'm like, I don't care about Crawford and Spence right now. I don't care about them. I want to see these new guys. I want to see Jerron Boots Ennis. I want to see Virgil Ortiz, you know, those kinds of guys uh, come up. But yeah, I'm with you, Jack. I'm with you. Yeah, I couldn't. I accidentally couldn't hear that last part. I didn't think you could hear me, so I had to adjust. But just like I can go back in the in the video and look at it. But do you know what I mean, though? Like, yeah, you get a good feeling when you see these impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but damn, yeah, he looks, he looks impressive. Uh, definitely, I think you have to put him top seven at least. Okay, I, I would say top five, but 
and I know you're going to get into it later, but the fact that he's undisputed and he has all these like A level names. Well, I wouldn't call Victor Postal A, but I call him like B maybe. But Jose Ramirez, like B plus, the Regis program, are a really nice name for the resume. So it's hard not to put him in your top ten. Well, you have to. I feel you have to put him in your top ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be the debate now. Is where do you place him? And I think that if fighters like Spence, or I'm sorry, uh, Crawford and Usyk were busy and had a fight already this year or something. Now, in the case of Usyk, he really can't help his situation. He's waiting for that mandatory. But uh, w- with Crawford, you know, I've defended Crawford a lot. He's been my pound for pound number one guy for a while, but I can't defend him anymore, man. He doesn't even have a fight scheduled. I, I, at some point, I still think he might be the best fighter in the world. But if he ain't fighting, I think you got to put Taylor above him right now. I, I just do. And if Charlo beats uh, Castaño, which I think he will, he's up on that list. You cannot deny him anymore. Uh, Tiafima Lopez obviously is on the list. So these young guys that are taking challenges and cleaning out divisions, you got to give them credit, man. And I think Taylor definitely is up there, bro. So I'll definitely talk about that uh, in, in a few yeah, I definitely don't want to like, because uh, you know, at the beginning of the show. I, honestly, I just call in because I'm I just finished working. I'm just on my phone, so I don't have like a. I can only I can either call in or like watch. So that's why I'm calling in, so I can listen to your. Uh, like if you if you didn't take it for like thirty minutes, that would have been <clears throat> that would have been fine. But we'll do it uh, here. I'll um. There so I can I call back in. I'll I'll let you go so I can get back to it. But call back in and just listen, man. That's all good. Wait, 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 Mike, Mike, Mike. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to ask one more thing. Okay. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, because uh, last time I really couldn't get into it. Um, yeah, Triple G, Andre, what do you think holding that up? Honestly, dude, uh, Triple G. I don't know what uh, – listen, man, he, there, there's another guy. I don't know what's up with Triple G. I, I, I can't defend him anymore. It's the same thing with Terrence Crawford. I know that Triple G wants to fight Murata at the end of the year. That's a fine. That's a decent fight. I think that's a solid fight. It's not a great fight, but it's solid. And they were talking about doing a war, a tune up like in August or September or something. Uh, but Andre, that name is not on his, his radar. So I'd love to see triple G fight either Andre or Charlo. I'd rather see Charlo and Andre fight each other, but I, I, I don't know what's up with triple G man. And he's a guy that I've kept up with for years. I, I know people connected to him in his camp. I've spent a lot of time with him. And he's at a point now where it's, it's kind of hard to defend him, dude. Um, I understand why he's kind of doing things his way because he, he got, you know, he did things everyone else's way for so long. I get that. And that's fine. That's his prerogative, but I can't rate the dude. Uh, if he's not fighting, I can't rate him. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, most is Yeah, you're breaking up, bro. You're breaking up. Oh, am I breaking up? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, I said uh, it sucks because it'd be. I feel like it would be such an easy triple G. Would you disagree? I mean, Andre does not impress me at all. Yeah, I look. I, Andre, it's hard to tell with Andre. I I don't know if he's fighting down to the level of his opposition. And maybe he's going to show us another level when he does step up and fight an elite level fighter. We won't know until that happens. We know a triple G because he's fought elite level fighters. We know he's got that kind of substance. We don't know 
with Andre. If we're just going off of what we've seen so far, yeah, I'd pick Triple G to beat Andre. But maybe Andre has another level that we just haven't seen yet. We, we won't know until he steps up and fights a top guy. So uh, if if I'm Andre, I'm calling out Charlo. That That's who I'd call out because I think Charlo is an easier win for him than Triple G. And if he beats Charlo and is the unified title holder, then he's got a, a bargaining chip with Triple G and could go to him and be like, hey, man, you want all the belts again? You got to fight me. But at this point, you know, all these guys, it seems like they're trying to just hold out for the Canelo sweepstakes. That shit's annoying, man. It's really annoying. Um, whether it's Caleb Plant or, or Charlo, Andre, any of these guys, they should all be fighting each other. But, Jack, I got to let you go, man, so I could get into the fight review, and I got some rants to go on. So just call back in and listen, bro. Hell yeah, bro. All right. All right, man. <laughs> Boxing and Bulldogs says uh, Jack is calling from an underwater location. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. The phone started to break up a bit there, Jack. I don't know where you're driving, bro, but uh, it got a little difficult to hear you. All right. Uh, I want to hit a couple of comments I saw here in the chat. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> Tareen Fox says, ask your Triple G question and go, Jack. Damn, he called that. Um, Sam A. asked, was Elvis a little overrated? Yeah, but also Kenneth Sims was a little underrated. Uh, so we'll get into that in just a minute here. Uh, Unrivaled Zon, he says, what's the news with Josh Taylor's pound for pound status? I'm going to get into that in just a minute. I promise, my man. I promise. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Torin Fox is Triple G looking for that Japanese money. Yes and no. Look, man, Murata is definitely a top 10 middleweight, maybe a top five middleweight. He's not trash. So at this point, if you're Triple G and you want to take that fight, I get it. And it's kind of, I look at Triple G right now, the way Miguel Cotto was the last few years of his career. I respect the hell out of Miguel Cotto because of all the dudes he fought at 140 and then especially at 147, 154. He went up to 60 and challenged himself against Martinez. That's something like Floyd wasn't going to do, right? And it worked out for him. And then at a certain point, he said, hey, man, now I'm doing shit on my terms. I've been doing things everyone else's way. He started promoting himself. And and in Triple G, I think, is just kind of in that phase. And I get it. The difference is I can't rate you on no pound-for-pound pound list right now. I can't call you the best middleweight in the world right now if you ain't fighting. Now, I can't call Charlo the best middleweight in the world because he ain't fighting nobody. Same thing with Andre. The way I look at middleweight right now is it's wide open. It's just a wide-open mess. And it's somebody has to step up and take that number one spot. But I can't rate Triple G number one. I'm not saying he's not number one, but I can't rate him number one unless he gets in the damn ring and fights. And that ain't happening right now. All right, let's see. What else we got? All right, let's um, let's get into this review, man. We got a lot to review. Okay. Let's see. Uh, last Saturday, May 22nd, a uh, couple notes. Sam Eggington won a unanimous decision over Carlos Molina in the UK. And my man Levante Early improved to 14-0 with a TKO2 win in Greenville, South Carolina. Me and my wife Tiffany went up there. Um, Levante Early is one of a couple of the minor regional titles, and one of them is the NBA. And NBA President Damon Gonzalez was there. And I know Damon. I've known him for a minute. He's a good dude. So we were shooting the shit, talking. And uh, it was fun covering that event. 
Um, so that was a lot of fun. And, and I think Levante, look for my piece on ringtv.com, my, my recap there, where, um, you know, he was just expressing frustration. He's a guy looking for a challenge and looking to step up, and it's been hard for him to find opponents. But the big, big card last weekend, of course, was the uh, top rank at ESPN show from the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. And before I get to the main event, real quick, undercard talk, Jose Zapata with the unanimous decision win over Hank Lundy. Didn't really surprise anybody. Hank Lundy went rounds. That's what he does. He's an experienced, good fighter. And these were good, solid 10 rounds for Zapata, who now at 140 is right there ready to challenge for the completely – so you, the division's completely unified. But if Taylor moves up, all those titles go vacant, and Zapata's going to be right in line for a vacant title shot. So he's set up very well right now. But also on this undercard, man, uh, 27-year-old from Chicago, Ken Sims Jr. I will admit, I totally um, just just flew under my radar. I, I I knew of him, but he's lost a couple fights. He's had a couple of close calls. And I just, I I guess, overrated Rodriguez, underrated Sims. I also didn't really look at the styles of this fight. And so Sims wins a majority decision win over uh, Elvis Rodriguez, who took his first L as a pro. Should have been a unanimous decision, but Judge Chris Mediore, uh, scored at 76-76. That's a bad scorecard. This was a solid win, a decisive, I won't say decisive, but a clear win for Sims. He clearly beat Rodriguez. So does this mean Rodriguez is a bust? No. It just means that he stepped up in opposition a little bit. He fought a guy who he couldn't blast out of there. And he's shown some boxing ability in the past, but there's definitely some holes in his game. And Sims exposed those. And style-wise, uh, top rank, who usually does a wonderful job building prospects, uh, they didn't do their homework on this one. They're matchmakers. Or they did their homework. They saw what Sims was going to give them, and they thought Elvis had enough to be challenged but overcome it. And he just fell a little short. So he goes back to the drawing board, but I think he'll get better. But for Sims, good for him, man. Good for him for uh, taking a chance, getting in there against the guy, knowing he's the opponent, giving it his all, gets the W, and now whether he gets a rematch with Rodriguez next or some other opportunity, he, he's he's definitely improved his life and his career off this W. I just love stories like this. It's hard not to feel good for Sims and his team and his family uh, after something like this. When you see the little guy, quote unquote, overcome the big guy and it changes his life overnight, his life is different. The life of his family is different. That's what's so cool about boxing. You just don't get that in other sports the same way that you do in boxing. But let's talk about this main event. Josh Taylor improves to 18-0 with 13 knockouts with a unanimous decision win over Jose Carlos Ramirez, who drops to 26-1, his first loss as a pro. This was a complete junior welterweight unification. And now the talk is, where do you rate Josh Taylor on the pound-for-pound list? That's one talk. And then the talk is, who is the best young fighter in the sport? Is it Tiafima Lopez or Josh Taylor? So those are the two questions I've seen going around on boxing social media. The judges scored this. All three of them scored it. 114, 112, three times, which with the two knockdowns means all three judges had this a draw, which means the house fighter, as we talked about on Friday, I know Mark from Unrivaled called in, a bunch of you guys called in, and we discussed this. 
And the feeling, the gut feel, remember that just little gut feel I had the pit in my stomach? I don't know, man, Ramirez, something there. And a bunch of you guys shared the same opinion. And I ended up going with Taylor by split decision. So my gut feel wasn't very off about this fight. Neither was a lot of you guys. I mean, we were kind of feeling the same thing where the promotion, the network, the judges, the same three judges from Ramirez's last fight, this is looking kind of cooked up and put on a silver platter for Ramirez. Despite all of that, Taylor found a way to win, and he he dropped Ramirez twice. There was some controversy about that, which I'll talk about in a second. But for all three judges, equally to have this a draw, it's very reminiscent to me about the Kovalev-Ward fight, where all three judges had the exact same score in a close competitive fight with a knockdown. This was a close competitive fight with two knockdowns and all three judges who were familiar with one fighter and completely unfamiliar with the other fighter scored it the exact same. That just always looks a little odd to me. And it just so happens that they scored a draw in terms of rounds. So um, anyway, I, Taylor did enough to get by here. I, I thought 115 to um, in terms of rounds, seven to five, 115, 111 was the right score. I, I thought that Taylor won. Also, Taylor coasted the in the championship rounds of this fight. I mean, going into like the ninth, 10th round, this was pretty much a six rounds to three, seven rounds to three kind of a fight. And then he gave up the last two, three rounds, right? So um, Taylor kind of went into cruise control late. I didn't agree with that decision. And I don't know if that's something that he felt he he should do because the fight was in the bag and he just wanted to play it safe. Or if he was preserving energy, we have seen Taylor wear down a little bit later in fights. Okay. And that's something maybe he could work on. Maybe it's just making 140 pounds. And once he moves to 147, that will improve and he'll have a little more gas in those late rounds. But I felt like in several fights, was it the Baranchek fight, the Progray fight? There's been a couple of them even before this one. In the later rounds, shit got a little closer. Things got a little, you know, a little, little crazy. And uh, it didn't have to be that way. You, you, you kind of felt like he could have pulled away at one point in this fight, and he kind of let Ramirez win the last couple rounds, and that's what made this fight so close on the cards. Going into the championship rounds, everyone knew Taylor was winning. And then the way he finished the fight, that's why it felt closer at the end. So um, that that's something that, to keep an eye on, okay? That's something to keep an eye on with Taylor because I do wonder if he moves up to 47, he doesn't have to kill himself as much to make weight. Will that stamina improve? Will he have a little more juice in those late rounds? Uh, so there's some people out there that said this fight was nine rounds to three. This was a domination stop. It wasn't, okay? It was a close fight. I think 7-5 in terms of rounds is a fair score. 115-111 is where I had it. Some of you guys, your scores were too wide. What's next? For Josh Taylor, it's going to be Jack Catterall, who's 26-0, 27-year-old southpaw. Uh, that is his mandatory. For I think it's the WBO, but don't quote me. I can't keep up with all these damn sanctioning bodies. Um, who accepted step-aside money to make this fight happen. Imagine Jack Catterall having the... Catterall having the wherewithal to see the future and say, you know, I could challenge Taylor right now for these two titles and less money, or I could take money to sit on my ass and do nothing. Let 
the division get unified and then fight the winner for all the titles and more money. Hmm. And it's what's best for boxing. And I'll be a good guy in the eyes of fans. What should I do? Hmm. And you made the right call. Imagine that. Imagine that. So now Jake Catterall, or I'm sorry, Jack Catterall is going to end up fighting for all the belts probably later this year, probably over in the UK. Interesting. He's going to make more money doing this. Uh, obviously, I favor Taylor Big in that fight, but it's it, that that fight is basically what Tiafima Lopez and George Combosis is for him, right? That that's Taylor and Catterall. It's the same version, uh, just a different side of the pond. All right, let's talk about Kenny Bayless, man. Before I get back into Taylor and some of the debates about pound for pound and stuff, look, Kenny Bayless. You know what? Let me share my screen and show you guys a couple of videos. Because for those of you who didn't see it, I just want to show you guys. I found some of these videos on Twitter. And let's see. Here we go. All right. Can you guys see this? Yes, you can. All right. I want to pause it because, so this is the knockdown in the seventh, right? Okay, right there. I want to pause it. Boom. Okay. I'm going to back up a little bit. Right now, these guys are in a bit of a clinch. They're not completely hugged up. And for those of you listening to audio later on, I apologize. I am showing a sequence in the seventh round where Taylor drops Ramirez, okay? It's late in the seventh round. There's 35 seconds left. They get into a partial clinch, but they're not 100% clinch. They're just kind of hugged up on each other. And what Bayless had been doing, and I see refs do this a lot these days, is when, they see, when he sees the hands tangled up, he just walks up and untangles the hands. Doesn't say break, doesn't say stop fighting, none of that. Just untangles the hands. And Ramirez stops fighting. He takes it as if there's going to be a break. Taylor takes it as, well, shit, my hands are free. No one said break. I'm throwing a punch. So check this out. So you don't even see Bayless in the frame right here. I'm going to play a little bit. Boom. They're hugged up. But as they're hugged up, you, are, you see Taylor's right hand is loose, and so is Ramirez's right hand, right? So they're not in a full clinch. They're not tangled up. They can fight from here. And Bayless throughout the entire fight had been saying, fight out. Fight. He told them, fight out of the clinch, fight out of the clinch. Or when they did get tangled up on the inside, he'd break them. And in my opinion, he broke them way too soon. He wasn't letting these guys do any infighting. And there were some people on Twitter saying, well, that hurts Ramirez. It hurts both. Both these fighters love to do infighting. So it really hurt the flow of the fight is what it did. Anyway, as they're clinching here, and by the way, later in the fight, it is Taylor who was clinching, right? That was part of his game plan. Is on the inside when he was getting tired clinch when uh bayless would break them up immediately uh i think that you could make an argument in some ways that was helping taylor but let me just play this real quick boom all he does here i'm stopping it again i'm pausing it is is bayless is knocking down his hand hasn't said the damn word he's not on them ramirez is looking away which you should never do taylor is being a dog in there i mean he's got his shoulder up in ramirez's face which he was doing throughout the fight. He's Taylor is not a, he's kind of got some Andre Ward and Bernard Hopkins in him, to be honest. Uh, he immediately, immediately goes for the uppercut. Boom. And he's dropped. Now I'm going to pause it again. 
Uh, Ramirez is down at 32 seconds. I let it go a couple more seconds here, but he was knocked down with 32 seconds in this round. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and go through the entire sequence, but he's hurt. He's jacked up. Bayless is counting, right? Ramirez is back. Ah, oh, damn, it doesn't show the whole. You know what? I do have the clip. Hang on. Yeah, it's right here. Let me play this clip. There's the knockdown. We can't see the clock here. But Bayless lets Ramirez gets up, get up, starts to give him a count. I think he's already at seven or eight, some shit like that, right? He's talking to him, tells Ramirez to walk to him, checks him, then backs Taylor up. Now that is on Taylor. Now, by now, there's probably about 10 seconds left in the round, and Ramirez is able to make it out of the round. So props to Ramirez for hanging on, getting through the round. But a lot of people felt that Bayless gave him extra time there. So there are people on the Ramirez side, whether they be fans, boxing insiders, commentators, whatever, podcasters, who are furious with Kenny Bayless for interrupting in that sequence and slapping down the hand of uh, Ramirez. And they think that's what's caused the knockdown there. That's wrong. What caused the knockdown there was Ramirez. And he even admitted, he talked about it after the fight, the post-fight interview, uh, because some of the usual suspects that stick a camera in a dude's face and ask stupid-ass questions on YouTube were trying to bait him into saying, yeah, yeah, Bayless, it's his fault. Look, man, again, I paused that shit at several points, guys. Bayless slaps down the hand, but never gets right on them. He doesn't grab him with two hands. He doesn't jump in and say break, which he had done a billion times throughout that fight. All he did was knock down that hand. Ramirez turned his head away, not only away from Bayless so he couldn't see what was going on, he turned it away from, from Taylor. That's 100% on him, man. And, yeah, Taylor fights nasty. He had his shoulder dig it, digged in. Uh, he would hit on a break. He'd do all those sorts of things. And yeah, it's very Andre Ward-esque. What, what's interesting to me is that some of the people who salivate and blow a load over watching Andre Ward will call Josh Taylor dirty. You guys got to be consistent. And when it comes to people out there who are pissed off at Kenny Bayless, um, honestly, fuck you. Because there's a lot of you out there that are really inconsistent with your complaints. And when I bring this shit up, even when it doesn't affect the outcome of a fight, right? When I consistently bring these things up and I tell you guys, if there's a majority decision that goes for, you know, two judges get it right and one judge has it way off for the other fighter and I bitch about it, a lot of you are the same people after saying, Mike, lighten up. The right guy won. Jesus Christ, relax. The right guy won the fight. Why are you complaining so much? When I bring up inconsistencies in performance-enhancing drugs testing or promotional nonsense or sanctioning body nonsense or, in, in this case, a ref that, that is just making poor decisions throughout a fight, a lot of you guys will tell me to lighten up and you won't ask the hard questions. I'm talking to those of you in the media right now who are afraid to lose your press credential or you're afraid to lose the access or the job that you have, whatever it is, so you won't ask the tough questions until it's safe. Now I see some of you asking about Kenny Bayless. I've been asking questions for years. I'm not the only one, but I'm one of very, very few. So yeah, what I have to say to you guys now who want to complain now because it's safe, I'm talking to the media people, or the fans of you out there who are complaining because it affected your guy this time, but don't complain the other times, fuck you. 
because you're part of the problem. Unless you're going to bring it up consistently and talk about this shit every time, I don't want to fucking hear it. So all of you bitching about Kenny Bayless right now because your guy lost, because you wanted Ramirez to win, fuck you. Because you didn't care before this night. Also, there's plenty of decisions Kenny Bayless made in this fight that negatively affected Josh Taylor. It went both ways, okay? There was a makeup call right after that hand slap and once Ramirez got dropped where he gave him 30 seconds to, re- well, it was 22 seconds technically, to recover, and he had to survive for 10 more seconds, and then he got a minute break right after that. So he basically got a minute and a half to recover off of that knockdown. Also, let's not pretend that Taylor didn't drop him in the round previous to that cleanly and legally, okay? And I think that had the seventh round knockdown not happened, by the way, Taylor won the seventh round before that knockdown. He had won that round, okay? At that point, it was pretty much a five rounds to two fight, maybe four four rounds to three. At, at, at That's the closest you could have it after seven rounds for Taylor with the knockdown in the sixth. So even if that second knockdown didn't happen, I still think Taylor was going to go on to win this fight. I just, it drives me nuts when some of you out there want to bitch and complain when it affects your guy, whether it's if you're a trainer, an advisor, a promoter, and then you want to bitch when a scorecard goes against your guy or your tribe, your nationality, whatever it is, fuck all of you. Be consistent about this and talk about it consistently and ask the hard questions consistently or shut the fuck up. That's that's it. Ran over, ran over. All right. Let's talk about, oh, I got to get in the chat here. Mendeli Cali says, attaboy Montero. Pietro says, real talk, Mike. Thank you. Because I'm going to take some heat for that on Twitter this week. You guys know I'm going to get all the IST words thrown at me for that one, even though nothing about that was racist. Anyway. All right. Where do we rate Josh Taylor pound for pound? This is a debate going back and forth. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm just, I'm feeling like it right now. I saw one of you got American boxing fans said Ellie suck back. Yep. Ellie was trying to bait him. Ellie blocked me on Twitter and I don't know why I've never said anything bad about Ellie, but you know what? Ellie, I, I watched that presser and Ellie was trying to bait Ramirez into some clickbait type of video and to his credit, Ramirez didn't take the bait props to him. Zach D says, speak, speak the truth, Mike. I do. That's what I always do. People don't like truth anymore. A lot of you guys are saying top five for Taylor. John says, Mike wants all the smoke. Yeah, man, go ahead. Bring it at me. Go ahead. Bring it at me. These here's the thing, man. These guys, when they they throw all these things, uh, these labels at me and they rip me up, they think like that shit bothers me. They think I lose sleep at night over that. In my opinion, if they're not talking about me, if they're not calling me those names and not labeling me that stuff, I'm not doing my job. When I start getting all that heat, then I know I'm doing my job. I know I'm onto something. And guess what? I keep getting more followers. This show every week keeps getting more viewers. The podcast is getting more downloads every week. So it's hitting a nerve with people. Why? Because I'm telling the truth. So if there's a handful of people out there that want to throw some labels at me and talk some shit, good for them. They're miserable fucks and nobody likes them. I'm sick of being Mr. Nice Guy. All right, Josh Taylor. Last six opponents had a record, a combined record of 136 and one. That's fucking amazing. 136 and one. Four were current or former title title holders. 
And his biggest win, this is the most impressive part to me, his biggest win came on the road. He came over to the United States and fought Jose Carlos Ramirez. Not, it's not like they fought in New York. They fought in Vegas. He's from Northern California. So Vegas isn't his backyard, but it's basically his neighbor's backyard, if you think about it, right? If you're from California, if you're a fighter out of Cali, Vegas, it's not your backyard. It's your neighbor's backyard down the street. That's where Taylor fought. So that's really impressive. That's super impressive. And I backed it up to his last nine fights. This goes back to O'Hara Davies in 2017. If you look at Taylor's last nine fights, the opponent's combined record was 229 and five. That is a 95% winning percentage. Okay. I looked at those same nine fighters, their current records. Okay. So including all their fights since 240, 30, in six, that's an 85% winning percentage. So some of these guys have lost a couple afterwards. But overall, the last nine guys, their records now, I'm talking about even after the fights with Taylor, 240, 30, in six. You're still talking about several former or current title holders. And, um, and then what that big win on the road to unify everything. So I pose this question out there on Twitter. Is Josh Taylor's resume the best of any boxer right now with less than 20 fights? Because it it might be. It's right there neck and neck with Tiafima Lopez. That's the other name that gets thrown around. And there's some similarities between these guys, but there's also some differences. Uh, Tiafima Lopez, um, I think I think Taylor's like 30 years old. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's like 30 years old. And Lopez is 23. I think they're six years apart. I think one guy's already had his birthday this year. One guy hasn't. So, but I think they're six years apart. Okay. So age-wise, even though they went pro about the same time, uh, one's older. It's because Taylor fought in the World Series of Boxing. He fought on a little longer as an amateur than Tio did. So Tio went pro younger. Okay. That's why you have that difference because uh, Tio has less fights. But um, his last six opponents, Tiafima Lopez, 142-7. and seven. Uh, which is pretty damn good. I mean, that's right there. Uh, it's it's not quite as impressive as Taylor's, but it's damn close. And I think two were former or current title holders, but here's the big difference. One was a former pound-for-pound number one guy in Vasily Lomachenko. Now, Lomachenko wasn't pound-for-pound number one when they fought, but he was probably, what, top three on most lists? He was definitely in the top five on most lists. I think probably two or three on many lists. So when Tio beat him, he has that pound for pound win. And I'm sorry, Taylor doesn't have that win, but Lopez does. So Taylor has more top wins. He's beat more former or current title holders. He's taken more O's. He's fought more top guys. He also has a win on the road, but Tio has that one win over a pound for pound multi-division champion in Lomachenko. That's the difference. However, let me add a little nuance to this. When Tiafima Lopez fought Lomachenko, he was the younger guy, bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful, more explosive. He held all those advantages in that fight. That was his biggest fight, and he held pretty much every advantage except for the experience advantage. That's where Loma had him. But in Taylor's biggest fight, Size, age, power, all those things were pretty even as far as the advantages. In fact, you could make an argument that the promotional A side 
it was like a a minus it's not like it was a b but i think it's pretty clear that top rank who signed ramirez coming out of the amateurs and had always represented him the promotion was backing ramirez 60 40 over taylor right so taylor was almost at a disadvantage and he was also fighting on the road when he fought ramirez lopez held advantages when he fought lomachenko so all things considered I still think Lopez has the best win, but when you look at the resume top to bottom, especially the last six, seven, eight, nine fights, I think Taylor's resume is better than Lopez. I think you probably got to put Taylor above Lopez on the pound for pound list. And that's going to upset some people. That's going to bother some people. Because let's be fair to Tio. He also beat Nakatani. He also beat Kome. Those are good wins, but are they better wins than beating, let's see, uh, Baranchek, Progray, a younger Postal, right? He, he fought a, a better version of Postal than Ramirez ended up fighting uh, in his last fight. Uh, so there's several guys there that I think might be better than those two wins that than Lopez has. So I think that's the debate right now, man. Um, but in terms of the best young fighters in the sport, with less than 20 fights, the two best, I think, clearly are Taylor and, and Lopez at this point. I don't see how anyone can deny that. Where do I rate them? Where do I put them? I think Taylor belongs right at number five. I, I really, really do think he belongs right at number five, man. In fact, I want to pull up, and we got a couple calls here. I'm going to get to you guys in just a second. But I want to pull up our current pound-for-pound ratings because – this is what we were discussing on the Ring Ratings Committee this week. And, and so I'm looking. Actually, I can share my screen. I can share this with you guys. Why? I, I always forget to do this. But let's, uh, where is it at? There we go. Yeah, check it out. Okay. Number one, Canelo. Of course, Canelo's the pound for pound number one guy right now. And I don't really know how you can deny that. Number two, in a way, I think that's fair. He has a fight coming up and he'll win big. But Terrence Crawford at number three. This is a big one for me because I'm a huge Terrence Crawford fan. And I, I had him number one for several years. I it really, it was between him and Lomachenko for, for a while there, right? They were like the 1A, 1B. But now, dude, when's the last time Terrence fought? And when's the, time he, when's the last time he fought somebody that you really thought had a real chance to win? You know, uh, it's been a long, long time. I, I can't put Terrence Crawford in my top five right now. I just can't. And it's not because I don't believe he's one of the best fighters in the world, because I do. He might be the best fighter in the world. But I can't rate you, dude. I can't rate you in the top five when you ain't fighting nobody. And I do, do I think Spence avoided Crawford more than Crawford avoided Spence? Yes, 100%. Even people in PBC told me that. Off the they told me that okay I've been pretty open with you guys about that I've been told that from several people over on that side for years they don't really hide it that they have a business plan over there so I I feel for Crawford but at the same time dude your your PR machine not good when he's saying yeah I'm not even thinking about Spence no more when you know when they're not even trying when you're not fighting somebody I can't I can't put I can't put him in the top five he's out. He's out of my top five. I still put him in the top 10 because I think he's great. I really think he's special out of the top five. 
Usyk, it's not his fault that the heavyweight division got held up by three divas, but he hasn't fought nobody. And what he did at cruiserweight was he has the best cruiserweight resume ever. Better than Holyfield's. That was going to upset some of you too. But Usyk fought in a mature division with better fighters than Holyfield do, did. It was a brand new division when Holyfield won it all. And that was 190, right? Usyk's was 200. And the guys Usyk beat would beat the guys Holyfield beat. Usyk's the best cruiserweight ever. The most accomplished cruiserweight ever, at least. Okay, But how long can he live off of the, that, the, the cruiserweight resume? Right now... I can't put Usyk in my top five. I can't do it. Spence doesn't belong in the top five. He just doesn't. And in terms of pound for pound, he doesn't belong there right now. I think Teofimo Lopez does. I put Tio above Spence, but I got to put Taylor up there. Guys, Taylor's no, the lowest I can put him is number five. That's the lowest. But I'm looking at this pound for pound list and it's kind of bleak. Because no one's no one's fighting, dude. Nobody's fighting. Uh, I think Ioka, it's time he moves up because of his accomplishments. I think perhaps it's time that we bring Chalker Latito back. Um, let's see how Lomachenko looks against Nakatani. I saw one of you guys on the chat asking, um, you know, what if Nakatani beats Lomachenko? Then he's out. And then we're 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 going to reevaluate where we put Nakatani. I don't think he'd be pound for pound, but Loma would be out. Um, but this list is bleak right now. It, the, the biggest problem with this list is these guys aren't fighting. Now, this can all be solved if Crawford fights soon. Usyk, let's say Usyk gets the Joshua fight. If he beats Joshua, he might be the pound-for-pound pound number one guy because that would be an unprecedented accomplishment, what he would have done. All right? But if that doesn't happen if he ends up fighting somebody else like Joe Joyce or something like that, then I, I don't know. But right now that's the biggest problem with this list. I think that um, Jermel Charlo is going to be on this list very soon. And um, he should be, especially if, and when he beats Castaño, but there's probably a couple other guys that it's time that we just put them in here and take out some of these names because these guys are just not active enough, man. They're not fighting. And Boxing is a business of what have you done for me lately? That is, that is a big part of the sport of boxing. And look, there's going to be people out there that if Spence beats Pacquiao, which he should, there's going to be people out there that say, well, now Spence is a hall of famer, this, that, the other stop, stop. If Charlo and Golovkin fought right now and Charlo beat Golovkin by decision would Jamal Charlo rate hall of fame. No, right? So stop saying if Spence beats Pacquiao right now, because it's essentially, it's not exactly the same thing, but it essentially is. When's the last time Pacquiao fought? How active has he been? Yeah, some of you need to chill. All right, let's go to the phones. We got a couple phones, uh, phone calls here, and then we'll get to the preview. All right, guys? All right. Now that I probably got myself fired earlier on that rant. 773, you're on the show. Go. What's going on, Mike? Beautiful, love it. See that you. This is John Harmon. John, what's uh, up, man? Couple of things. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can How hear you doing, good, brother. Well, I, if the fight did play out, kind of some of the scenarios we talked about are uh, with Josh Taylor and Ramirez. Uh, he didn't get the stoppage, which I thought he could have. He did bring up a great point. He cruised. 
those last couple of rounds and it nearly cost him. I don't know if the if making weight is a grind for him or if this is a mindset or whether or not he doesn't believe it. Because he's did it more than once. He brought up some of the fights that he kind of cruised. So I'm yeah. wondering. Uh I will say this about Kenny Bailey. Once I thought he was the best ref, but that was like that was like late nineties, early twenties. Exactly. I think Kenny is trying to re- yeah, I think it's time for him to retire. Uh, I may mention it. I know Doug Fisher has brought this up uh, recently, but I do think it's it's time for Kenny to retire. I don't think he is, to me, in my eyes, when I looked at the fight, he did seem to favor Ramirez a little bit, in my opinion. Uh, You do bring up a good point about the hand slap, but the one thing I've learned in the gym is I always said, protect yourself on all sides. Taylor is mean. His inside game is nasty. And he did exactly what he should have. He took advantage of it. If you decide to look away because a ref slaps your hand, you take advantage of it. You have to protect yourself at all times. But very, very good win. I do not believe he's going to fight Terrence Crawford next or the second fight because I think he has better options at 140. And I think that he's going to take a page out of the Marvin Hagler, Bernard Hopkins playbook. And what I mean by that is there are guys at 135 who I don't believe are going to be continue to make 135. Let those guys move up. Sophia is one of them. And maybe Ryan Garcia when he comes. David Haney is a big lightweight. And he can fight those guys. Those will be better options for him and I think more winnable fights. I don't mm. think he matches up with Crawford well enough. The same way as I thought that he does a little bit of everything better than Ramirez, I think Terrence is the same way towards uh, Josh Taylor. I agree. Also, if I was running Taylor's camp, and this is just me, people are going to probably think this is weird and I'm going to say this, but this is this is boxing and this is what teams do. Wait him out. How old is Terrence? He's 34 years old. Wait till he's 36. Wait till there's vulnerability. Then he can take, he can take advantage of that. Is that the right way to do it? No, not necessarily. But I just think that Taylor has more options. He should explore them. I do believe that he's top five. Um, from pound for pound, but on the pound for pound thing is this. There's two things I look with pound for pound. You can either look at it as most accomplished, or in my opinion, you could look at pound for pound for what it really should be. If all of these guys were the same weight division and everything was equal, who would win? That's how I usually rank them. So I okay. do put in accomplishments as well. But when I go down to the true sense of pound for pound, if you have to put all these guys and say it was the same weight, that's how I look at it. That's why I always thought pound for pound work. But I do understand how people are objective and change it because it's, it's subjective of how you look at it with accomplishments. That's why even though I love Canelo, I don't have him as pound for, as my pound for pound number one guy. I have the monster there because I think he's been much more oppressive. If that guy was a Walter weight, he'd be number one in the world right now, mm-hmm. I believe, as, as a pound for pound guy. But fantastic fight. Uh, I do agree with you. I don't think it was a dominating win by Taylor, but I do think it was a clean win. But I wish he would have went with my prediction because I thought he had a chance to stop Ramirez, but he just took his foot off the uh, foot off the gas tank. I have no idea why he did that. But uh, that's about all, man. I mean, there are a couple other things I do, but I know you got other callers. Uh, great, love and honesty. Continue to follow you on Twitter. Love the podcast. Um, just keep doing your work, brother. And I keep following. Thank you so much, man. Great but, stuff, John. One last you really think Lucic is a better cruiserweight than the man of Holy Shit? I'm not saying better. I'm saying more accomplished. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, 
I'm just, I'm just really okay. Well, here's why I say that. Here's why I say that. I'm biased though. Dude, I love Holyfield. I I grew up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I grew up with Holyfield. That's an emotional connection for me. But go ahead. Right, Why you say more comedy? He's right there. I mean, look, man, I, I've, I've, you know, Holyfield lives, well, he has a home here in Atlanta. Like, I've shot the shit with him. I've talked to him a bunch of times. He's a, he's an awesome guy. I love Holyfield. And I rate yeah, him I'll higher. I just, I think that the Cruiserweight division started in 1979 by the WBC, okay? And the other sanctioning yeah. organizations didn't jump on until a little while after that. And I think at that time it was called like junior heavyweight. They didn't call it cruiserweight. They called it yes, junior you heavyweight. Correct. Yes, you, yes, you are. You are correct. So, so when, heavyweight. I think they changed it from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, because people are like, well, how the hell do you go from light heavyweight to junior heavyweight? To heavy, right? So they didn't know what to call it. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? It was confusing. Right. So. When Holyfield won, first of all, it was 190 pounds. But second of all, it was a baby division, dude. It was, it's almost like the way I look at some of these female champions right now, where literally they're creating a belt. Like a lot of Clarissa's belts, they're just like, oh, well, shit, we've never had a champion at 168. You want to fight at 168, Clarissa? Here you go. It's kind of what UFC did for Ronda Rousey. So I'm not saying they did that exactly yeah, for Evander. You, no, you, you are, you are, you are absolutely correct about that. That's why I don't think Shields is the best fighter, Amanda. But go ahead. But so that's why I'm saying when when Usyk fought, it was a mature division that had been around for like 40 years almost, and you had guys who had been fighting there as amateurs, you know, all the way up, you know, because basically, what is it? Uh, they're super heavyweight in the amateurs and that that's basically pro heavyweight and the heavyweight guys in the amateurs end right. up being cruiserweights. Right. So you, you have this right. deep talent of you know pool of talent internationally for decades going into that cruiserweight division. So I just think Usyk completely unified a more mature division. That's why I rate his accomplishments higher. Now, does that mean I'd pick him head to head to beat Holyfield? That's a different discussion. <laughs> that's different. No, I'm I'm actually semi crawling with you. I I, re- I understand what you were coming from. I'm just a big Evander fan, so I've always looked at him as the best cruiserweight and the most accomplished. Only in the sense of how he did it. I do agree it was more of a uh, it wasn't as deep when Usyk did it, but Evander did it. He he looked like Joe Lewis the way he did. It. He was so much more impressive to me. So that's a good point. He did it. I don't I, how. How many fights does Usyk have right now? I don't, I can't recall. Because I, I, I don't think Amanda, he has twenty fights, man. Let me look. Let me look. Because uh, right, and and the thing is, I also looked at the one thing with, and this is not, you know, just just a report. Is the re- another reason I think we have a problem with boxing right now. And I'm just going to use Evander, and I'm going to jump to some other people. If I'm not mistaken, Holyfield title shot. I think he was 23 years old. And a lot of guys, some of the greats that we all admire, except for Hagler, because people avoid them, they had their title shots very early. Yeah. And so that's another reason why I look at boxing. Now, all these guys, some of these guys are away. So even though Taylor is a little older, I don't know why he's like 30. I, I always thought he was like younger than that, considering the amount of fights yeah. he had. I like what he did, Ramirez did, Sophia's did, Monster has did. These guys are taking fights at a very, very young age. And I don't have a problem with any of that. I just think if we if we saw more of that, we'll have less clown shows. We'll have less YouTubers fighting ex NBA players. And we'll have less older dudes doing these, you know these boxing exhibitions. But that's on boxing and platforms. But I also blame it on fighters. 
that they are, they, I don't know if they realize that at a certain status, they're the boss. But then there's another flip side to that. If these guys are getting paid so much money, which some of these guys get seven figures to fight a mediocre opponent, yep. you know they're going to ask for even much more when they have to fight some guy at least. 100%. And I always think if you get them when they're young, yeah, they're doing more because that's what legacy is about. They, they usually go after all that glory when you're younger. And when you get 30, you start to make business decisions with the exception of Taylor. Not everybody's like that. But unfortunately, we're caught in that kind of situation. And I hate to say this, this guy doesn't have 20 or less fights. And I'm going to go on the record right now. The best young fighter to me, he's not the most accomplished, but I think he's the best, is Boosting. I think he's better than Taylor. And I think he's better than Sophia, even though I love both of them. Yeah. Unfortunately, Boots has more than 20 fights, but I think he's the best young fighter. I think he's better than the rest of them. If he, unless he can't catch, if he doesn't have a chance, 100%. I think he's going to be very, very special. If he can catch, bro, he's going to be pound for pound number one yeah, in the only two thing, years. Yeah, that's the only thing I don't know if he can do. If he can catch, though, yeah. He's, he's a guy that I really believe is going, when he gets his opportunity, he's going to be the guy that's potentially going to beat one of the top bigger names walkaways yeah. right now. Because I think it's going to force either that or they're going to have to give up their belt. And I just think that, that he has that type of talent. He is, I think he's that good. I've been on him for like for three, four years. I keep telling people that he is that good. I would love to see him get a title shot now. I don't know if he'll win, but I know he'll be competitive. I think he's, he's just that good. I, but I see what you're saying about the Usyk thing. Uh, keep doing you, man. I love it. I love that you call people out. I love that you, you know, you don't hold back. I wish more media people were like you. But unfortunately, like you said, the accessibility and they don't want to call certain things out. And no, uh, Errol Smith is not a Hall of Famer. Not yet. <laughs> now, he, he, he should be one not day, yet. but he's not yet. He could. Yeah. He could. Yeah, but he's furry. Um, I don't That's think he's afraid of. I I don't believe that he's avoiding Terrence Crawford, but I do believe he's making business. I think he yeah. wants to get all the belts on his side and become the A side. But I don't think there's any money in that fight for him and Crawford. Not nope. what they want. It's nope. the report. Is true. Not at all. I think they want ten million apiece. I keep telling people if the if the fight if that fight was supposed to be this big money fight that everyone thinks it is, they would have made it. Boxing loves money. They would have already made the fight, and no one is willing to make it. So to me, that definitely means there's no money there. And for that to for it to happen, that means Spence and and Crawford have to be more like Canelo Whitaker and say, "Hey, just get give me the guy. I'll take whatever. Just make the fight. Don't worry about the money. Just make the fight." And unfortunately, I don't think they're ever gonna fight. I, yeah, I've lost all thing. hope. I'm, I'm kind of over it. Me too. Yeah, I lost all hope. I'm, I'm, I am beating the drums for Enos versus Ortiz. Hell, I think yeah. they'll fight before I see Terrence Crawford. Yeah, before I see Terrence Crawford and Spence. I yeah. just don't see that happening at all. All right, sir. I'm quite sure you got more calls, so I can right. monopolize your time all the time, like I said before. But uh, I continue to listen to the show. Thanks for picking my call up, Mike. You have a great week, brother. All right, brother. You too. Great right. call. Great call from John. Man. Um. And I looked it up. Um, Usyk has had 18 fights. So I think you could put Usyk in that same category of guys with 20 or less fights that have done pretty amazing things. Isn't it interesting that three of the guys that have unified all the belts in the four belt era 
have less than 20 pro fights when they did it. There's a pattern here. There's a pattern here. What's great is that one of them's American. I wish more of our American boxers would be like that. <clears throat> All right, let's get another call here, guys. Let's see. Oh, some of you have been on hold for a minute. All right, 818. You're on the call or you're on the show. 818. What's up? 818. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello? All right, you get you get enough. Yeah, now I can hear you. Can you? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing, bro? It's Good. Ace from Ventura. Ace from Ventura, what's up, bro? Nothing much, much fucking listening to your show, but uh, um, yeah, man, just a couple of things uh here. Um, heard what you said about the Ramirez and Taylor uh, fight. You know, um, first and foremost, man, no uh, nothing to take away from Taylor. Great job, man. Good fighter, great, great fight. And, um, you know, uh, I think he is one of the top pound for pound right now, if, uh, if there's such a thing, you know. But, um, you know, as far as Kenny Bayless thing, you know, um, you know, I, I don't see nothing wrong with him right now. I mean, whatever, he, you know, he made some mistakes and all that, you know, um, with the fight. He could have maybe just, you know, warned Taylor for the clinching. I thought Taylor was clinching way too much. And, it was undecisive as far as, you know, uh, uh, pushing them apart at some time. Maybe that's what kind of caused the uppercut, you know, to land or whatnot. Uh, but yeah. at the end of the day, that's, that's on, that's on Ramirez, man. You know, um, right. like I said, not, not taking anything away from uh, Taylor, but that's on Ramirez. And he even said it himself, I think in an interview, but you did, you know, um, so, so you say, you know, I mean, it, it, some people could say, you know, Bayless might've caused that. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but at the end of the day, uh, it's it's on Ramirez. He he should have. He didn't have enough experience. You could say to to know what to do in those instances. You know, um, Taylor was just fighting, doing what he had to do, and that's how he got the W. Um, same thing goes, man, for uh, with that, that Texas uh, referee uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Cole. Cole. I think that's yeah. name. Yeah, Lawrence Cole. Look, look man, uh, a lot of people say he's a bad referee. You know what? He probably is a bad referee. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of his fights. But look, it's a fight in there. You know, um, if I were the fighter, I would get away with anything I can and let the referee take care of the rest of it. And if he's not saying anything, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, you know? So, um, you know, I mean, in that, in that respect, uh, like I said, uh, pass off to Taylor. Uh, great, great fighter, man. Um, you know, my, I was going for Ramirez, and that's my boy right there, you know. But uh, at the end of the day, the better uh, fighter won. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that the fight against... Uh, Crawford would actually be really good, bro. Well, what do you think about that? If it did happen, if it happens right now, I kind of I agree with uh, John, the previous caller. I, I just think that Terrence, dude, Terrence is a special fighter. Terrence Crawford is mean and nasty as Taylor is because he is. I, Crawford's even nastier and meaner, and that's one of the things I love about him. And he doesn't apologize for it. You know, I just think he does everything a little bit better than Taylor, uh, like John said. And now perhaps here's the thing with Taylor. I actually think he's still getting better. I think that he needs a few more fights and I don't know how much longer he makes 140, but that's not, we know he's going to be at 147 by this time next year, probably. So if what would be awesome is if him and Tiafima Lopez could fight like at the end of this year, that'd be an amazing fight. I, I just politically don't know if it could happen, but next year at some point he'll be up at 47 
And he's going to, it's going to be tough for him politically because there's not a whole lot of fighters there willing to face him, but maybe face a couple of the old veterans grow into the weight, work on some things with Ben Davidson. They seem to work well together, his new trainer, and then fight Crawford maybe in a year, maybe like 2023, something like that. And we'll see. But like, if they were to fight right now, dude, I just think Crawford has more levels to him. But it it, it wouldn't be a knockout. It'd go all 12, and it'd be a 116-112, 115-113 kind of fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you on that, actually. You know, um, definitely uh, would be interesting match. But you know what? I don't think Teofimo is actually ready for a Taylor, man. You know, yeah. I mean, as big as the dude is for 130, you know, 130, 135 or whatnot, Taylor is actually a pretty big guy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I, I, I mean, he has more dimensions to his game than than uh, Lopez, in my opinion. I mean, he's a younger guy, could be, you know, faster, quicker or whatnot. But, you know, uh, Taylor has like a, he, he's a mean, like you said, he's just that got that, that mean, mean in him, you know, that you just can't like it's only certain fighters have it, you know. And for Teofimo right now to fight him, uh, I don't know, man. It's It's going to be. I, I would, I would, if I were top rank, I wouldn't let him fight right now. You know, I mean, he's going to be a cash cow for years to come. You know, That's but a good um, point. that would be, yeah. I mean, it would definitely be an inter- inter- interesting fight. You know what I'm saying? But you know, uh, I, I mean, as a fan, like I said, put it up, put every fight on. I don't give a damn about the money. Yeah. But you know, like at the top rank, I don't think you let him fight Taylor near anywhere. You know, I mean, look at put it this way: they didn't give much promotion to the fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean. As good as Ramirez was, I mean, I, I would always go for Ramirez because that's my boy, you know. Like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna root for for my people. But you know, I always knew there was a chance that Taylor could, all, you know, could, could wind up winning. But you know, the promotion side of it, you know, um, somebody in in the background had to know, you know, the fighters really well to match up and be like, you know what, uh, Taylor could pull it off. He probably will pull it off. And the promotion wasn't there, which it's 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 sad because it was it was a great fight it was one of those fights that you know didn't matter and uh you know taylor won it passed to him but you know in this case with lopez you know i, I don't know how long he's gonna be with, with top ranks because of all this you know thriller stuff but yeah that's the thing i wouldn't lose if i were him that's so the that's, thing too you know, like but, see yeah. and that's that's where you could get into the all the the business stuff right we could talk about that shit for an hour but it's like let's say top rank contractually has one more fight with tia Fimo, and then they know tia Fimo is going to leave well shit He's leaving anyway. Damn. Let's go yeah. ahead and make the fight between him and Taylor. You know what I'm saying? So, so you just don't know yeah, what could yeah, happen. Now, you, now you're talking there, buddy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, I mean, great fight. It would be a great fight, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but anyways, man, yeah, I just want to say that. But another quick thing about, man, um, but uh, I want to just, uh, you know, run by or just comment real quick. So, you know, um, they have that PBC uh, podcast. I forgot the the guy's names or whatever, but you know I listen to him once in a while. It just depends on who's there and whatnot, you know. But um, they had come up uh, after the Canelo fight, man. They were just kind of like uh, talking about pound for pound kind of list. And I don't know if it's like a PBC thing with them because they got to root for their you know their peoples or whatever. But you know, once in a while you got to kind of say the truth. But man, these guys are saying that they don't even have Canelo. Like he's probably at number three, two or three right now. And I, who is I think they think. Spence is the best, you know, is pound for pound. Like, ESPN's the come same on, way, are you man. Me? You know I mean? ESPN rates Crawford yeah, yeah, number you know? one, and I'm like, come on, guys, like stop. Look, I mean, I I, I I I get it. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm saying? But it's I think it's for the for the 
good, good of the for the sport overall, and even for the for for the, the networks themselves, you know, um, because at one point, you know, he's gonna have to fight one of these people in in in, in the network, you know, in one of the networks. Um, I think it would, I mean, you don't have to go that far not to not to say or not to mention names, but but to like, flat out say that you know they don't have Canelo, not even like not even a for sure number two, you know, it's like. Now, now you're taking it a little too far. You, you know, you, you you can't um you you can't what's it called uh um fool the, the the boxing fans. But you know, I guess the cat they're aiming at the casuals in these kind of situations. You know, but I just thought that was kind of like you know, wow, are you kidding me? You know, you're saying that you know he's that Canelo's overrated. That's that's exactly what they're saying, overrated. <laughs> I'm not like here's you know, a th- uh, I mean I, I don't I'm know who's Canelo, on that I'm podcast, a, but. Does does anyone yeah. listen to it? I'm not trying, and, and I'm not trying to hate on anyone else's podcast. But I'm saying, dude, there are a hundred boxing podcasts. There are very few that do more than two hundred views or whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's only a few, right, 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 that break through and get thousands of views. There's like two or three that get hundreds of thousands. But th- that's because of who's doing it. Like Mike Tyson, Teddy Atlas. These guys are big names. But there are very, very few done by media members that get. 5,000, a few thousand, like, you know, I'm happy to be one of those guys, but a big part of it is because I tell the truth about what's going on. And, and to, to be clear, I'm talking about my total views on YouTube, plus all my downloads with the audio, uh, I'm doing thousands and like, you know, I think I'm not paying for any of that. I'm not paying to get followers and stuff like a lot of people do on social it's because I'm t- trying to tell the truth, and there's very few people out there willing to yeah. do that, man. There's just very few people. No, yeah, absolutely, bro. I, I agree with you on that. You know, I mean, I don't mind if you're, you know, if you're, uh, um, you know, we can all agree to disagree or meet halfway or whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm all good for that, you know. But yeah. if you're, uh, you know, if you're that type that can't really do that, you know, and always have to be right or just, you know, have it your way, then that's like a deal breaker for me. But you know when they it's funny because when they when they actually said that um and like i said i'm, I'm not defending canal he's you know i like him and all that he's one of my top fighters and all that but you know i will admit when he's when it's right or wrong you know but someone when they started saying that you know and how they're saying like oh he's overrated and blah 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 i was like that turned me off a lot bro and it, and i rarely get turned off you know what i'm saying i really like it rarely happens to me but that kind of like you know, like kind of like pull the trigger or you know, switch on me you know like oh hell no you know um yeah. especially saying it like uh saying that's like like uh like to a fighter or um you know saying that for, as a fighter like canelo where he's one of the few fighters i don't know if you agree or disagree but he's one of the few fighters that you can actually see improvement you know what i'm saying like yeah. um you you can see like every single thing that he, he from from beginning to end like how he's improved and that's really rare for fighters you know to, to see that in fighters i mean yeah you, they, they'll improve you know with little things but with canelo you know you see a whole different uh level of him uh, uh from 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 before to now you know and to say he's overrated you know with the resume that he has you know my you know uh, let's you know some are here and there whatever you want however you want to say but you know um that was just a big turnoff for, for somebody uh, to say and especially like you know um if you're like on that side of the street kind of thing, you know, uh, you could maybe they could have worded it differently or whatever, but it was just that was just a stupid, stupid comment, uh, in, in, in my opinion. But you know, um, but that's why I keep listening to you, bro. I mean, you're you're the neutral corner. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> I try, man. <laughs> Sometimes I get heated, but uh, it's just interesting that they would say that because he's going to fight Caleb Plant next, and Caleb Plant is a PBC guy. So you would think the people on whatever podcast that is, if it's a PBC podcast, that they would want to build up Canelo because he's going to be fighting their guy later this year, probably. They're talking about that anyway. Right. And that would be natural to promote that fight. So it doesn't make sense to me why they'd be talking that guy down. But, dude, I got I got like several, like four or five more calls, so I should probably get jumping here in a minute. But Handle it, bro. Handle it. Bro. Thanks for the call, man, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's I'd I'd like to hear that podcast. Uh I just look ESPN and I've talked about ESPN before because I think they're really compromised. They don't give a shit about boxing. Uh boxing and bulldogs in fact here on the the chat just said ESPN cares so much more about MMA than boxing. That's true and it's it's a point that Steve Kim has brought up on his podcast the three knockdown rule with uh, Mario Lopez where he's talked about the budget for for boxing is 84 million. For uh, ESPN, that's what they give the top rank for that budget. But I'm positive. I, I mean, well, I'm sh- I'm quite sure. I'm not positive because I haven't looked. But I'm quite sure if you looked at what ESPN sp- spends on female college softball, it's probably just as much. I mean, I was it was chilling at the the hotel because I, I I I was up in the hotel. I covered a fight this this weekend, and I was staying at a hotel with the promotion. And Sunday morning, we're getting ready. To, we're packing to to, to leave, uh, my wife and I, and drive back home. And I'm t- flipping through the channels, and it was one of the ESPNs. I don't know if it was ESPN2 or what, what one of them. They had college female softball, okay? So it wasn't just baseball. It was softball. It wasn't just pro. It was college. It wasn't just male. It was female. And I'm thinking, this is female. And I'm, no disrespect, okay? It, it, it is what it is female college softball. And I'm thinking as it relates to their budget with boxing, I'm like, I bet you their budget for this is almost as much as what they spend on fucking top rank boxing. Seriously. So like, do I trust ESPN's pound for pound ratings? Do I read any of their news or articles when it comes to boxing? Fuck no, I I don't do it. Now with PBC, at least with PBC, here's where I'll give them credit. PBC has a website, Premier Boxing Champions, and you go there and you read about their fighters. And if there's articles on PBC, you expect it to be about PBC fighters. It's not like an all-encompassing boxing website. It's specific to PBC. So I expect their podcast to be biased. I expect their articles to be biased and all read in one direction. ESPN tries to promote themselves as this worldwide sports leader. So, you know, I expect, I would expect what they do to be unbiased. But when you have Terrence Crawford pound for pound number one, and he hasn't fought in what, over a year? Meanwhile, Canelo's fought three times in six months, and he's not fighting. I get it. He's not fighting Pernell Whitaker, you know, or the Marvin Hagler, like, like those kinds of guys. I get it. But he's fighting three times in the past six months, and he's unifying titles. He's the number one guy in the sport. He's carrying the sport right now. He might not be the best fighter. Again, Terrence Crawford might be a better fighter, pound for pound. But in terms of accomplishments and who's fighting and who's carrying the sport right now, it's Canelo. So when I see ESPN rate Crawford, pound for pound, number one, I'm like, come on, guys. 
Stop. Stop. Anyway, all right, back to the phones we go. Back to the phones. We got 910. You're on the show. Yo. Ooh, I hear my voice. I hear my voice in the background. Are you just listening or do you want to chat? 910, what's up? 910, I hear myself saying 910. Yeah, I can hear you, but I hear me too. So you got to mute the show. Oh, bad crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. What's up? I can't hear you. I can't can't hear you. You can't hear me? That's interesting that you can't hear me. Mike, it's Jacob. Jacob, I can hear you, bro, but if you can't hear me, something's wrong. Wrong. You got me? I got you. Do you got me? Yeah, I got you now. Jeez, please. I'm sorry about that. It's all good, man. (laughs) Technology, bro. Hey, so real quick, I want to... Hey, this is Jacob. Uh, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Phoenix Verdeo. Yeah, what's up, man? How you been? What's up? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, hey, we actually get to talk about some boxing, some fights today. So, I'm going to agree with you uh, with the Josh Taylor moving up a couple of notches on this pound for pound list. We got to put him up there. Now, I understand how pound for pound works. And the best fighter in the same weight, you know, if they were uh, in the same weight, I got all that. But when fighters are closest skill, we start talking about the Taylors, the Canelos, the uh, the Crawfords. We got to find things that separate them. And for me, this weekend, Taylor did that. Yeah. Number one, he did it because not only did he live up to the hype and he didn't let the historical implications of this fight uh, and the magnitude of this uh, fight uh, rattle him. Man, he looked cool. He looked calm. He looked collected. As a matter of fact, he looked—he like was having fun in there. Yeah. All right. And number two, when, like Tyson Fury said, when it comes to guys at this close of a skill, at this caliber of of, of elite boxing, is who is who executes the perfect game plan. And for me, Josh Taylor did that. Josh Taylor's plan the whole time—it was evident that he was going to wait for Ramirez to do his forward assault. And, and wait and counter him, and he did that. And that moment came in the sixth round, yep. okay, for that first left hook, dropped Ramirez. And then he capitalized in the seventh round, and I get that whatever everybody's saying about uh, Kenny Bayless and whatever, man, protect yourself at all times be situation where you are in a fight, okay? So he capitalized, he put him on his butt, and I don't think Ramirez is the same fighter after that. In terms of coasting, I'm going to disagree with a lot of folks, okay? That was a... To me, that was a strategic move. You got you, you got what you think is a lead, okay? And you could argue that if it wasn't for those two knockdowns, that the fight may have been tied or whatever the case it was. But he was he was in my eyes, he was separating himself away from Ramirez little by little by little, okay? And uh, so for me, he executed the perfect game plan. He's a boy could fight, and he didn't let the magnitude of the event uh, overtake him. So for those little nuances. I think he should be pound for pound. I think he needs to move up. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Cool. Yeah, I, it's just it's a matter of debate right, of where you put him. That's all. Oh, hey, listen. I'm with, I'm with you in the top five. I'm okay. okay with that in the top five. All right? And, for, and, and because for all the reasons you said, the better resume. And look, he just keeps getting better, okay? 
You know, he, he, he just keeps getting better. He he rises up to the occasion. He doesn't buckle under pressure. He didn't do it against Progress. He didn't do it with Ramirez. And listen, uh, in terms of Crawford, in terms of Crawford, if, he, if they were to fight now, and I agree with you and I agree with everybody else how special Crawford is. He is a special fighter. We all know this. But we also know, okay, I'm going to start getting a little hype here, Mike. We also know that boxing works off of momentum. Crawford hasn't yeah. fought. I mean, Crawford hasn't fought in over out of hot law. And Taylor keeps fighting and keeps fighting and keeps getting better. So yeah, that's a good put, point. If you, if you were to put the two in, in the ring right now, okay, you were to put those two in the ring right now, I think Taylor, by, by smidgen, may best Crawford. That's a really good point, man. That see that that's again my favorite word, nuance. That's one of those little nuances that I, I think momentum is a big thing, dude. And you're right. When is the last time Crawford was in with a killer like Taylor? You know, Taylor's been facing guys yeah, like Progre. I'm Taylor, high on Progre. Ramirez, these are good fighters, bro. These are good fighters. These are good fighters, man. These are good fighters. Okay. So I'm gonna move on to my last point. I know you got a couple of pullers, but I am not a fan. I listen. I'm not a fan of Manny Pacquiao fighting these guys. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Manny Pacquiao, as the great legend that he is, I want him to go retire and be a legend. Yes. Okay, I don't want him to take a bad hit. Spence is not that guy. Spence is not Thurman. Okay. Spence is not Thurman. Spence is going to get in here. He's going to put Pacquiao's going to know when he steps in that ring with Spence that he's not Keith Thurman. Now that's not that's not to take anything away from Pacquiao. And this fight does nothing, nothing to elevate Spence's uh, status quo. It, he will not get in the Hall of Fame with this, okay? Because it's a damned if you do, damned if you do, uh, don't situation when it comes to Spence, okay? If he beats Pacquiao, he was supposed to beat a 41-year-old. If he right. loses to Pacquiao, you got beat by a 41-year-old. So this does nothing to uh, to uh, elevate Spence's uh, status quo. And listen, I just want my man Manny Pacquiao, the legend that he is, to go retire off, do senator things, do singing things, do basketball things, and and, and, and and let Spence get at some of these other guys, you know, and, and, and go on from there. Hey, Mike, that's all I got. I, it, was a, it was a mouthful of about two minutes. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Dude, I, I, you said uh, do basketball things. You should have said do very bad basketball things. Have you ever seen Manny play basketball? <laughs> Dude, how is he a professional basketball player, man? It's so bad watching him play, dude. That's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm with you. I've been saying that for years. I've been saying that before the Thurman fight. I, I think that there was sneaky genius to the matchmaking of the, the timing of the Pacquiao-Thurman fight because I think people involved knew Thurman's ready to lose. He's right there. He's been close a couple times. The right guy on the right night with enough experience is going to beat him. So when they fought, Pacquiao won. And it's a great win for Pacquiao because of his age and everything else. But I think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. And I agree with you, brother, that Spence is not Thurman. And Spence is explosive. Um, he's so shown so far that he can catch. Um, I just think he's going to be too much for Manny at this point now. Fucking 10 years ago, forget about it. Pacquiao wins that big. But right now, Spence all day. If Spence doesn't dominate this fight and at least drop Manny, I think it's a moral loss for him, even if he wins. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree. But to the casuals, this is going to be, oh, he's fighting a legend. Because I've seen people on 
the Facebook chat groups and stuff saying, oh man, this, this is a super fight. So, so cool. Look, if it does business and, and people buy into this, great. If that, that helps everybody and Pacquiao gets his retirement pension check, cool. But regardless, win, lose, or draw, I want to see Manny walk out after this. I'm with you, man. It's time to hang him up, dude. All right, Mike. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I love your show, man. Hopefully we can do again. Absolutely, brother. Have a good one. All right, there he goes. All right, we got a few more, guys. Um, man, some of you guys, I I would get into this fight preview, but some of these guys have been holding for over 30 minutes. So I just, 614, you're on the show. Go. Hey, what's up, Mike? This is John Eden, man. Just got back off the red eye about 2 a.m. from Vegas after the fight. Wanted to give you a call. Yeah, give us the scouting report, man. Well, first of all, uh, red eye flight. God damn, I hate red eye flights. Oh my god, I'm too tall for that shit. But yeah, and it was late. <laughs> I hate that shit. Uh, how'd it go, man? What was your What was your thoughts about first of all the promotion there around the Virgin Hotels? Because I heard it was shit from friends of mine, and then the actual experience yeah. being at the fight itself, and then the fight itself. Um, promotion was, uh, as expected, disappointingly zero. I mean, nothing even outside the hotel, like not yeah. even a poster or um, I would walk around the strip. Nobody knew anything about a fight going on, you know. So I didn't really have to, you know, you could usually go to Vegas and talk to some people that were there or the same thing, but I couldn't, couldn't find Yeah, that's part of the fun of going to Vegas, like, man. That's part of the fun going to Vegas for a, a Vegas fight is like you'll go to bars and shit and you could tell a boxing head because we look different than other sports people, right? You could just tell if someone's a boxing head and you'll just be like, yo, you're here for the fight? Oh, yeah, you start talking. So you didn't even have that? No, and I, and I made it a point to bring actual hat, my cruiserweight hat and a boxing T-shirt. That way somebody would say, oh, you got your gear on, so you're here for the fight, right? Right. Nothing. Wow. <laughs> Not That's terrible, man. Yeah, it was disappointing in that fact, but at the actual event, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty exciting, man. People had a lot of energy. Uh, it's small. It's small as shit, but you know, uh, Ramirez crowd was in there deep for sure. Yeah, and they were uh, they were excited for him. And there was some Scotland flags flying around, which was still cool. You know, they, you could hear them singing when they were coming down the hall for sure. Yeah, they like to sing over there, man. <laughs> That's the thing. Any fight with any UK fighter is more fun because those dudes just drink and sing and they start like when they wake up, it's, I don't know how they walk the next day, but yeah, they like to drink and sing. Yeah. And then when Fury walked in, it was over really, but oh, it was yeah. a lot of, um, you know, places around, you know, Basile was there, Lomachenko. And so people were excited about the fight. So it was really more, um, hardcore boxing fans in the event. I don't know where they were out, were around the strip. But they were there at the event. Not so many uh, people that I thought might show up just because the casino gave them some tickets and they just decided to do it to kill a couple hours. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, just watch it on TV. The the sound was good. It sounded like, you know, there was passion in there. And sometimes a small venue like that, it almost makes it sound louder because the the acoustics Mm -hmm. of it, you know what I'm saying? So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. But, um... Yeah, I had Taylor. I put some scratch on Taylor and won, but I also put a little side thing on the knockout because in my mind, I could see something playing out, not exactly as brutal, but what Valdez did to Burchell with Ramirez going for it late and getting caught with something because um, I know a lot of people made points about Taylor maybe fading down the stretch, but Ramirez kind of 
um, sixth, seventh, eighth round has been known to do that itself, you know. Yeah. So he sets the toward pace at the beginning, but then the and that's pretty much where he got caught by Taylor too, was that sixth, seventh round. That's a good point. Yeah, I saw I know people hate CompuBox statistics, but I was looking and um I thought that Ramirez kind of shot his wad in the fourth or I'm sorry, the third and fourth rounds. Those are the rounds where he threw the most punches in the fight. And you saw right after that in those middle rounds, that's where Taylor kind of made his push. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't know if those fights with Baranchek and Progray helped Taylor in that because both of them faced some nice competition, but Taylor kind of faced guys that kind of had that pressure that Ramirez gives him. But Ramirez didn't really face anybody similar to a Taylor, you know? That's a good so point. That skill yeah. set. That's a good point. So when it got rough, I think Taylor just kind of absorbed it. Some people thought he was hurt, but I don't think he was hurt at all. He, he wasn't hurt at all. Him. Tim Bradley thought he was hurt. Tim Bradley, every damn punch. He's hurt. He's hurt, Dre. He's hurt, Dre. Every punch, no matter who's fighting, every any punch that lands, the guy's hurt. But other than Tim Bradley, uh, it was pretty clear to see that Taylor was just kind of covering up early on, weathering that storm, and just kind of consistently doing his work. He kind of threw the same amount of punches each round and was just trying to make Ramirez's uh, aggression work against him. You know, that that's what I saw anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I was um, kind of concerned about Taylor with the card because even though he had the fight in control, I was like, you got to remember where he's at, you know, because yeah. those judges, when they're hearing that Ramirez crowd, you don't know what they're going. And one judge gave Ramirez like four rounds in a row, like only gave Taylor to one of the last five. And I was like, whoa, was he trying to, I don't want to say they were making up for it, but because if they want to rob somebody, we know judges can rob somebody if they want to. They don't have to work that hard for it anymore. But yeah, I, like, I looked uh, at anything, the score. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I say anything that the, the judges think they see, if that Ramirez crowd reacted to it, they might say, oh, well, it was a big punch, you know? Right. I think they did. I mean, they had to fight a draw, dude. That's that's not. I mean, you know, if you, one or two of those swing rounds could go either way, but I just when you're giving all the swing rounds to one guy, I don't know, man. I I thought that Ramirez's best round was round three, and then there was some swing rounds, you know, and it, he he won the later rounds just because Taylor kind of let off the gas a little bit, but Taylor won at least seven rounds in that fight, so. For all three judges to have the exact same score, to find a way to score an exact draw, that just looked kind of weird to me, man. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. I had it 115-111, so I did a second yeah. watch at home. Yeah. I had like 116-110 live just in my head. But um, the fans, like I said, were heavy for Ramirez. But in, those, in the championship rounds, man, they were screaming like, Ramirez, you need a knockout. You need a knockout. And when the uh, people were waiting for those scores to be read, when they heard the 114, you know, got quiet, but nobody was mad when uh, Josh Taylor got the decision. So as much as they were for Ramirez, man, they recognized that Taylor won that fight, which was cool because, you know, everybody was appreciative of, of the efforts out there. Yeah, I appreciate good fans like that, that understand what they just saw and, and respect the game, you know, and when they see their guy lose, they own it. You know, um, some fans are just going to boo no matter what, but it seemed like uh, everyone in the house Saturday night seemed to be cool. I just think of a recent time. Remember when Mo Hooker broke his hand and uh, I think he was fighting uh, Ortiz and and, like people were booing him. And I'm like, what are you motherfuckers booing? 
He got up from a knockdown. He fought back. He injured himself. Why are you booing this guy? So there is an example of fans just being dicks. But it seemed like Saturday, everybody there was positive, and it was a good good environment. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know how the, um, the Peta fight looked on TV, but in person, man, it looked like he was worse for the wear from that Berantic fight. I believe it. That, that was a rough fight, man. That was a really rough fight. Yeah, you know, and I was just telling my girl when we were watching it, I was like, no matter what Lundy does, Lundy's never been, you know, he knows what the deal is. He's not going to be given the fight. He came in here to, to give rounds, like you said, but just that, that never works out for Hank, you know. He gives all his effort, but he's kind of like Mauricio Herrera that way. <laughs> yeah, he kind of is like an East Coast Mauricio Herrera. He, uh, he's going to go in there and give you rounds and you know for for Zapata that that's kind of what he needed so that's brilliant match matchmaking from top rank because that's the first fight Zapata's had in a while where he didn't like take an ass whooping in a way eat win lose or draw you know what I'm saying so that was good for him mm-hmm. yeah yep and um last thing here about the um I was in there I was in Vegas of course when they announced the Manny Spence fight and uh I know people are talking about the Taylor Crawford matchup my first mind was my uh, first thought was how pissed Bud might be that you know he wouldn't take any fights that Bob tried to set up at this point anymore, even if it was a Taylor. Do you think any fight could come into that for Bud, as far as working with top rank in the future at all? I you know honestly, man, it's hard to it's hard to like read Bud because he's he's very uh, monotone and he, you know is with media he's just very I don't know what the right word is. Abrasive is one word, but he's just, it's hard. It's difficult to read him. And for what I can gather, he's happy enough with top rank because they pay him his minimum, you know, guarantee. They've always taken care of that, even when they've taken losses. And he just seems to be good with it right now where he's at. Um, Pacquiao didn't want to fight him when Pac was with top rank. Remember Uh, there was, you know, because grandpa Bob, Wanted to do that for a brand building fight. I mean, this shit that that probably goes back six, seven years or something. I don't know how long, but uh, he wanted to do that fight to to build Bud's name up back then, and that was all in house. And Manny and his side didn't want it. So now that Manny's fighting Spence, I mean, Bud's got to be looking at that like, what the fuck? But PBC's paying uh, Croft, uh, Pacquiao a lot of money. He he's going to get a lot of money from this pay per view fight. And that's why he's doing it at this stage. I mean, that's that's why he was brought over there to PBC. For 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 Bud, I, I don't know, dude. Maybe he can fight Porter, but they're going to have to overpay Porter to make that fight happen. And then they're going to have to put that in ESPN pay-per-view. Does that do 200,000 buys? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I would love to see Manny fight live. I never have, but. I, that ticket will be high, and I just don't, you know, all-time great fighter versus a young great fighter, but I don't know if it's going to provide that great action. You know, it might be like Spence versus Garcia where Manny has to go into a shell just to I think get so. to the 12th, you know, and survive. I think the, diff, the difference um, between Manny and, and Mikey is Manny's been fighting bigger guys for longer, and he is more explosive. He is faster. He's just better than Mikey at everything, even right now. So... uh It'll be entertaining for three or four rounds, but I'm with you, man. The second half of that fight, it's probably going to be Manny just kind of going through the motions and just surviving, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I'll just, uh, one more thing before I let you go is that uh, 
I know you're going to do the previews. I just before I left Vegas, I put money on Nonito, man, for this fight this weekend because they have him as a two to one underdog against uh, Ubali, and I just don't. I was surprised at that. I don't know how you feel about that matchup, but I think Ubali's best match was what they both fought last on that Anui Donaire card, right? When he fought Anui's brother, yeah. I don't know who he fought besides that, but Donaire's seen everything, man, and been in tough, and he, he rested right about two years, but he should be fresh again. Yeah, the only thing I would say is. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. Is Riga? Is he when he fought Rigandiao? Rigandiao is a southpaw, five foot four, sixty-seven inch reach. That's kind of the same size as Ubali, and he's a southpaw. Now I'm not comparing Ubali to Rigandiao. Obviously, Rigandiao is a better fighter, right. but uh, Rigo gave Nonito a prime Nonito fits. and I think that's what the odds makers are looking at. They're looking at because Ubali is a southpaw. Kind of compact build and everything too, um, but I'm with you. He has, I mean, he did fight in two Olympics. He fought in the World Series of Boxing, so he's faced high level amateur opposition. But in the pros, I'm with you, man. Onito has seen it all. If you put some money on Onito, that's not a bad bet, especially at two to one odds. Not exactly. a bad bet. Yeah, exactly. So like that would tell you, you know, both of them. I just don't bet against them, you know. But yeah, I wanted to let you know how it was out there, man. It was still funny, uh, still fun, and Vegas is open, man. The only people wearing masks are the people in the restaurant. They're ready to go. And uh, okay. I don't know, man. Maybe me and you can hook up at a Vegas fight at some point, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> man. Hopefully, I would say probably looking like the fourth quarter of this year. Um, but I got a lot of things going on right now over the summer. But, yeah, toward the second half of this year, I'm definitely going to get out there and cover some of those fights. So we'll definitely do that, brother. We'll have some beers. All right, man. All, All right. right, man. Take it easy. You too, man. Uh, I love I love getting the report from the location. That's awesome because we had uh, CJ calling in last week. He was he lives out there, and then we had John just calling in. So I love getting the reports from those of you who uh, who are out there. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay, we got a couple more calls, guys, and then I'll finally get to this preview. I promise. We're we're almost at two hours, so uh, these next two calls got to be short. All right, and these are the last two, and they got to be short, guys. We got to keep. So let's see. Uh, this is a UK call. You're on the line. Uh, we got to keep it short. What's up? Hello, Mike. It's Andy. I've been with you for a long time, so I'll try and keep it uh, short. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to run through this, man. We're almost at two hours. <clears throat> yeah, I was I was going to say, uh, regarding the Pacquiao-Spence fight, I know I've seen a lot of people saying that Spence needs to dominate in this and that, but I made a comparison, and I think this is a good point. I don't know if you agree, when Anthony Joshua, I know there's a bit of a difference, so don't get me wrong, it's not exactly the same thing. When he fought Vladimir Klitschko, Klitschko was 41, coming off a 16-17 month layoff, and a loss. At least when Spence is fighting Pacquiao, I know he's almost two years and it's a bit longer. He is coming off a win, a pretty impressive win, and he is a top welterweight. Uh, when Joshua fought Klitschko, I know he had less fights than this and that, but he was still a champion or belt holder. Uh, he wasn't a he champion, but he was a belt holder. And he went life and death with Klitschko. Now, I know there's a big difference in his apples and pears or whatever you could see, but I'm not sure. If Spence gets dropped and he's a life and death, that situation, yeah, I, I could understand the criticism. But if it's a competitive fight and say he drops Pacquiao, but Pacquiao has his moments and it's a competitive sort of close fight, but he gets the win. I don't know if uh, there's much to criticize Spence because I think this is, to me, it sounds like a 
marketing tools for negotiations. And after this fight, I think they just want to, if they want to fight Crawford, I think they just want to let Crawford and other fighters know that they're going to be the guys demanding the more percentage. Like, uh, And that's what I think is, to get a marquee name on his resume, I'm not sure what you think about that. I mean, I, I understand the comparison. I figured that's where you were going to go. The only thing I would say is heavyweights age much slower than little yeah. guys. And, you know, Pacquiao started at, what, 108 or something like that? And he's been fighting guys that are naturally bigger than him for over a decade now. I and mean, Pacquiao is really a natural lightweight that bulks up and eats thousands of calories a day to fight at the weight he fights at. Um, he doesn't really have to cut weight to get on the scales. He kind of weighs in just to be a welterweight, you know? So there's a little bit of a difference there with, with Klitschko. Um, you know, yeah. He was fighting a younger, stronger guy and everything like that. in his physical prime coming off a layoff, coming off a loss, all those things. And AJ got a lot of credit for that fight, but AJ was younger than Spence is right now. Spence is a unified world title holder. I want to say he's 30 years old. Uh, he's been a pro longer than Joshua had been a pro when he fought Klitschko. And Klitschko, um, again, heavyweight, a little bit closer. I mean, he was definitely past his prime and everything, but Pacquiao's been knocked out brutally. Um, Klitschko had been stopped, but he had never been brutally knocked out. He had, Klitschko never was knocked out. Uh, he always beat the 10 count, right? He was never cleanly knocked out like Pacquiao and stuff. So I think there are differences here, but – Ultimately, I agree with you. This is brand building. This is negotiating. This is yeah. get everybody paid and go into the Crawford negotiations possibly next year saying we get 70, 75, you get 25, something like that. Yeah. In fact, you got knocked out, but he came back. I think even Steve Kim was saying he was there at that fight. And I agree. I, I, along with probably many people, when they watched that fight live on HBO against Marquez, thought that was the end, but he came back. And I know he hasn't beaten the greatest of competition, but he's had some very impressive wins and performances. Yeah. Look, man, Pacquiao and Spence fight. is a good fight. I'm not saying it's a shit fight. Yeah. It, this isn't Mayweather, Logan Paul. It's a good fight. It's not the fight that we want. It's not the best fight that could be made. It's not the best fight for boxing. But in terms of brand building and everything, what they're doing over there with Spence, I get it. It's, it's just how many of these do we need? You know, Spence went over and fought Kell Brook and got the title. And then everything after that has been a brand building or a layup. It's been the Mikey Garcia fight, which was, you know, Mikey was the A side in that fight. It's been the Danny Garcia fight. It's been the Sean Porter fight. And some of these are they're good matchups. The the first Garcia fight was shit, but the 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 fight with Porter was a good yeah. fight. It's so after this, yeah. dude, no more. Like no more excuses. After this, you gotta fight Crawford. Like that's it. That's what I said. But the way I look at it, he Crawford was going to fight Pacquiao. And he, Pacquiao, if he's still going to be active, at least he's got to fight the top two guys or one of the top two guys. I, now, I'm not holding it to him. If he does well and he pulls this off, or even if it's competitive and goes 12 rounds, that just adds to his legacy. But Crawford was going to fight him and that fight out through. Spence is going to fight him. I just hope after this, I agree, Spence like happens. I personally think he may be dead. Uh, I'd rather see this than Spence and Ugas and I know Crawford looks like might not fight Porter, but if he was to fight Porter, that, those two fights wouldn't be too bad. But going back to, I missed the beginning. I was just going to say, I don't know what you think about the referees in Vegas or the judges, but I think 
uh, I just personally think they need to get some new judges. Like the the referee Bayless, is this not the first time he gets way too involved in fights? He did it with the Tyson Fury and Wilder fight, and some of those Mayweather fights, and a lot of these guys, like Tony Weeks in the rematch between Kovalev and Ward, the way too involved, I think, into the uh, into the action. I know Robert Bird was going to be old, but he was also criticised. But I saw in the first. Ward fight, he done okay. He could have done a bit better. He's a bit slow, but since then, I guess a lot of these referees, I think either they aged or I think they're way too involved or they're showing a bit of bias towards one fight or the other. I, I, Ahmed, I agree with you. I've been saying that for years. The problem is no one else in the media talks about it. I, I mean, nobody else brings this up, nobody asks hard questions. Um, I've been at pressers press events where I bumped into referees and I've asked them, when do you think you might want to retire? You know, you've been doing this for a while. Like I've asked those questions and I've done it in a polite way, but I've brought that stuff up and people look at me like I'm crazy, but no one else does it because what a lot of, what a lot of people don't know is Nevada, the commission people, um, the, the, the sanctioning organizations, the, the promoters, they'll put on media lunches and they'll put on functions and stuff where people get to hang out and pat themselves on the back and eat good food and do all this. And people like having access to that stuff. I went to a few of those things in LA. I've been to some of them in New York. And after a while, I just started to feel like, yo, you know what, man, I'm becoming part of this system and I don't like it. And I I stopped going to that stuff and they, they stopped inviting me. (laughs) A lot of them just stopped inviting me, but you know, yeah. people you know, don't want to lose you know, access to that stuff, Hamed. Yeah, you know, regarding that, though, I was just thinking, I've seen guys like Jack Reed, Steve Smoker, a lot of these guys are available for interviews. A lot of those officials in Vegas, especially, it reminds me a bit like the Premier League, where I think the head is a bit, he's bad. Like uh, some of the referees that come on to a, in the Premier League uh, are really bad, but. Like guys like Jack Reese, I've seen him on numerous podcasts and YouTube. Uh, different I love Jack doing interviews. That's one of the things I love about I love Jack. These guys, yeah, I love these guys like Vegas. You don't see, you don't hear or see like the Tony Weeks, Vegas. None uh, of the Vegas people do. Like None of them do. That's part. That's part them. of how they operate, and that's why I say they operate like a teachers' union here in the United States, or like a police union on steroids and the problem unions do great work. Okay. I don't want to bash unions, but the problem, and at least this is more of a United States thing. I don't want to get too political, but these teachers unions, these police unions, they protect bad teachers, bad cops. And you see, you know, teachers that suck being protected and cops that suck and abuse people being protected. You see this all the time. And that's kind of how NSAC operates. Look at the, look at the birds. It's not just Adelaide. It's also Robert bird. They get protected, but I mean, I gotta, I gotta get yeah. running, man. We're almost at two hours, bro. No, I, that's right. I was gonna say, do you think that before? Do you think the ones on New York are better because guys like Steve Smoga and a lot of those? I like, I like the refs in New York better. I like the refs there better, yeah. but that state and the commission there, I have concerns there, and they have made awful calls. Uh, in terms of their medical procedures, they've gotten oh, better. Yeah. But uh, Magomed Abdusalamov, look up that case and that how New York undercard. handled that. Golovkin and... That was an undercard of Golovkin and Curtis. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, before I go, I just want to say, regarding the fight, Ramirez, Tina, I thought you could argue uh, Ramirez won maybe five five rounds. I had about seven, five. I think you want to stretch it six, but 
I think top runs, they wanted Ramirez to win. But I think Taylor clearly won. I had Ramirez winning the early rounds about 3-1 after 4. But then from there on in, you could argue it was all Taylor. I, I think you could go as far as saying he won about eight, seven, eight rounds clearly in that fight. I think so too. I, I don't know about fight. I don't know about Crawford. I think I think he gets a hit a bit too much. And you won't have... This is what people forget. I was at the Progress fight. I thought Progress was too small for him and Taylor was too big. I'm also weak. You won't have the advantage over a guy like Crawford. I know Crawford is not the biggest, but Crawford is a natural welterweight. Now he's filled into it. I think maybe a fight between Teofimo Lopez and Josh Taylor may be a bit more intriguing. I don't know what you think about that, but that's the thing, McCoy. I think it's more intriguing just because they're two young guys with less than 20 fights that have completely unified their division. So you'd have yeah. the top guy, you'd have the undisputed champ at 35, the undisputed champ at 40 fighting each other. So that, to me, would make it the most intriguing fight for me as a diehard in the entire sport. But I got I to gotta let you yeah. go, Hamid. I got to okay. get to one more call, good, man. Good, good, good. All right, good thanks show. a lot. All right, good show. I would like to You All too. Okay, we're going to get to uh, one more call here. Uh, John, John Uden uh, said, I'm a fan of Jack Reese, Harvey Dock, Thomas Taylor, Michael Griffin. I like Harvey Dock a lot. He might be the best young ref in all of boxing. Uh, and I like Tom. Thomas Taylor does a good job, too. He does a pretty good job, too. Uh, Harvey's more East Coast. Tom is more West Coast. I like Jack. Jack is heavily involved in that California commission. And um, that's the best commission in the, in the country for boxing. So we're going to take one last call, guys. And then um, we're out. Uh, nine seven two. You're on the chat. What's up? Hey, how you doing, Chad? I was uh, calling, uh, calling from Texas, man. I was going to speak on that uh, Earl Spence fight, man. Um, the word I'm hearing is Earl really didn't even want that fight, but at the end of the day, who 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 would name a fighter at one forty seven that would say no to a Pacquiao fight? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I, I mean, nobody's gonna turn that fight down. Yeah, I mean, as far as money you know, goes and the name recognition, it's it's a big fight. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, he, he didn't have any interest in that fight. Um, he, he, but at the same time, nobody's saying no to Pacquiao. Uh, it, it, it's not gonna happen. I mean, so that's that's as far as that. And I wanted to touch on that Josh Taylor. Very proud of Josh Taylor. I knew he was going to win. I won some good money. I didn't bet in Vegas. I bet on the streets here in Texas. Nice. And uh, it was even money back. And, uh, yeah, everything is feeling real good today. Yeah, I bet so you are, man. Right? Yeah. Josh Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Josh got it out the mud. Josh, he went through that Super 6. I knew he was hard. That fight with him and Regis Progray. I, I, after I saw that fight, I knew Josh was true, you know. And uh, as far yeah. as him and Crawford, I, th- I think he might beat Crawford. I think, to be honest with you, I think his resume is better than Crawford. I think Crawford's top top rank hype train. Really, a fighter that Crawford fought that Josh that that Josh Taylor wouldn't beat. Name a fighter Josh Taylor wouldn't beat Crawford as fought. That's a really good point, man. I, I can't disagree with you. Machine. Hey, Crawford fought Green Machine, and uh, I think Josh Taylor got Green Machine out in what the second round. I don't. Did he fight? I don't know if he fought me. I know he fought Postal, and Victor Postal might be Terrence Crawford's best win, and Taylor beat yeah, him. I think he fought Green Machine too. 
Oh, okay. I think he fought Green Machine too and knocked him out. I think. Uh, I have to look. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Nah, because I think uh, everybody on this. Go ahead. Yeah, but everybody on his resume, uh, I think Josh Taylor would beat. I think it's, I think it's a closer fight than what people think it is. I honestly think Crawford's a lot of hype. If he wasn't, he, there's no reason he shouldn't have took that Sean Porter fight. I think they're trying to hold all their cards close to get the Smith fight. That's going to be a big payday for uh, top rank, if he's still at top rank. And I don't think he's going to leave top rank, to be honest. I don't think he will either, man. That's I, my call. Yeah, I, I, I think he's yeah, going to. I don't think he will either. I think he's comfortable in what he's got going on and he's just going to kind of coast. And that really disappoints me, man. Cause at one point I was really, really high on Terrence Crawford, but at this point it just seems like he's cool making his whatever it is, 4 million a fight once or twice a year stacking that money. And that's the thing like that. That's cool. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. It's his prerogative. It's his life. But I yeah. think he has the potential to be a special fighter, but at some point you got to fight top guys and he hasn't been able to. So yeah, man, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm going to say one last thing and I'm going to get off here. Okay. I enjoyed the show. Look, man, when it comes to Spence, I'm Dallas, Texas, of course, home team speaking. Believe me when I tell you this right here, this guy loves to bump. He don't care how big you are, how tall you are, how small you are. He loves to fight. And will fight anybody at any time and anywhere. <laughs> That's his character, this guy. So all this talk about Spence avoiding, he ain't, he ain't ducking no fights. I don't think Spence he is. is. I think Spence's management is. Spence ain't afraid of nobody. I never thought that. But his management is yeah, trying to play business. They're just, you know, they're doing boxing business 101. Oh, yeah. He's been, he been begging for Crawford. He's been begging for Crawford. Mm. Anyway, I'm going to let that go. Man, y'all have a good show. Really enjoyed it. I'm going to sit back and listen to what else what y'all talking about. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in, man. All right. All right. All right, I see one more call. I just can't say no. I'm going to take this last call, then we're going to go. All right, one more call, even though you called it at the end and I told you not to. All right, we got another UK call. You got to make it quick, my man. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? I can. Who is this? Sorry, I've got a kid's voice, but I'm a bit older. <laughs> uh, my name is Zach. I've been uh, talking to you on uh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, okay. What's up, Zach? How you doing, man? Yeah. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I just want to say I've been uh, watching your show for uh, quite a long time now. So, uh, yeah, it's been really good. Um, just uh, reading off the um, Taylor fight, uh, Taylor Ramirez fight, it was kind of... Um, uh, it was a bit under the ground in uh, in the UK. We didn't have a broadcaster, but uh, it's, it's a terrible. great, uh, great fight. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, how did it's you watch it, Zach? Uh, Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just curious. Um, did you watch we, it on Fight TV, or how did you see it? Uh, I watched it on Fight TV. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so it was a, yeah, it was a good fight. It was um, I mean, I, I love the way how um, Ramirez kind of uh, pushed the action at the start, and then um, Taylor kind of um, got into his groove kind of mid rounds and uh, kind of started um, counter punching him and uh, getting him on target, etc. So uh, and then Ramirez came back towards the end as well. So yeah, really good fight. Um, I suppose I've been watching Taylor since the O'Hara Davis fight um, and to be honest I've just seen him go from strength to strength um, and him versus Crawford is going to be a, a very good fight um, with uh, Crawford being a switch hitter and um, both can fight in South four and in terms of weight there's not much in it so uh, that's going to be good but what I wanted to ask you Mike was um, uh, looking at this um, Tyson Fury and AJ fight kind of falling out um, I find it a bit um, a bit suspect how quickly um, this trilogy fight kind of uh, made up quite quickly. Um, how um, top rank and Bob said to um, uh, Eddie not to worry about the arbitration case and then suddenly we're talking about the trilogy really quick. I find that really fishy. Yeah, and Zach, they had the um, Allegiant Stadium booked. I think it was, I don't quote, me on the date, but I think it's July 24th, and then they have a date in August. So they had it booked on two separate dates this summer, maybe August 24th, something like that. And to me, it's it is very suspicious. I mean, now that every the ball's kind of dropped and we've seen like all the information, it makes me wonder if Grandpa Bob was just trying to mess with Eddie and this whole thing. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him because he really seems to have a hard on for Eddie Hearn. I don't know why. But um, it does look weird, man. It really looks weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I, when I look at um, uh, Bob's interviews, it feels like he's like the American version of Frank Warren, and they don't yeah. like Eddie being around them at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. He there's he does, And I honestly, I think it's because Eddie Hearn's doing such a good job, and I think – Grandpa Bob feels a little threatened by him, you know, because uh, because yeah. he's been top rank's been crushing it in America for years, you know, for decades. He's been a top promoter. And right now, what Eddie Hearn is doing globally uh, is pretty oh. impressive. And I just think that he, there's just good old fashioned jealousy or something going on. I can't I can't describe it, man. I'm not sure. But it, it's definitely odd. Yeah. And it seems like with Eddie, um, you know, kind of co-promoting uh, Canelo, it seems like uh, that's that's shaking up the American scene as well. Yeah, I mean, Eddie co-promoting Canelo, and I think Canelo is very happy. You see his personality coming out and everything. And yeah. um, I, I just think that what Eddie's doing, he's building up the American matchroom boxing, but then he's he's going to uh, Uzbekistan. He, he went to Italy. He's going to all these different countries. So he's really doing a global uh-huh. thing. And, you know, no other promoter has been doing that. I mean, Top Rank took global talent and brought it all to the United States. They were the first to go into Latin America. They were the first to go to Asia, uh, Eastern Europe. But now what Eddie's doing is he's bringing the shows to those parts of the world. And no one's done that before. So uh, it's pretty impressive. It really is. Uh-huh. And just a final question: um, Where do you think Crawford should go from now? Because I just feel like I know we've been talking about this, but I just feel like he's going nowhere now. 
honestly, I, I really don't know. I don't know who there is for him to fight. We, Sean Porter is a name that gets brought up. Perhaps Sean Porter. Now, if Josh Taylor does move up and wait, that's an obvious fight because they're both with top rank. And that would be on ESPN. I think that'd be a pretty good fight because uh, Crawford has a name and now Taylor has built up a name off of this last win. But then there's Teofimo Lopez. And maybe I, I'd rather see a fight between Lopez and Taylor first. So I really don't know, man. I, Crawford is just kind of... <laughs> He's he's just standing there with his dick in his hand. I don't know how else to, uh, how else to put it, man. That's just where he's at. So yeah, yeah. But honestly, as a long term kind of bud fan, I I honestly feel like he should move the. It, it just seems right to move to PBC where they've got all the welterweights stacked up there, and they can make that Spence fight in house. It just makes sense for me. Um, I don't understand why he would, why he, I mean, I, I, I don't understand why he might be contractually, he might not be able to, but especially when Bob was kind of, um, kind of criticizing him not long ago as well in the media as well, in terms of how much pay he wanted. So mm. I don't understand why he can't just move that, make that move to Al Heyman and PVC. I, right now he's under contract with Top Rank, and as far as I know, that contract is solid. And it's going to go on for a, at least a couple more years. So he's not going to PBC anytime soon. So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, yeah. Um, nice talking to you, Mike. That's the first time. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks Watch for calling in, show. man. It's good to have you on the show, brother. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. All right. There he goes. All right, guys. Woof. What a show. Marathon session. Marathon session. Oh, man. I earned my money today. Over two hours of TNC for you guys. All right. Uh, great show, man. Some great calls, guys. Uh, we'll do it again next Monday. Have a great week. I'll see you at the fights.